0: That's the best Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. Hoij här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. Ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson spelar så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson. Carlson scores. Carlson. Yeah. Carlson. Everybody, to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. Kind of frustrating today, the Carlson to get a point, but that's okay. I'm going to push forward. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, And with me, as always, is the fantasy hockey robot, the Pooh of prognostication, himself, Brian Calm.
1: Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. And while Eric Carlson might be off to a slow start on the score sheet, he is dominating like under the hood if you look at his his Corsi, his shot attempt share he's crushing it every single game so the points are going to come nobody worry i guess we've already gotten into this week's content
0: uh, well i was watching the game today and st louis lost so how helpful was he brian <laughs> but okay (laughs) let us get started before we get into we've got a big slate of players we want to talk about this week it's the second show of the regular season i thought we'll start slow this time we'll start sad like last week we talked about all the players doing amazing this week we're going to talk about all the players who are disappointing us eric carlson was one we've got a slew of them but of course then we'll get to the hot streaks and the cold streaks and all the stuff that make us the best fantasy hockey podcast out there of course we are presented by the best fantasy hockey website out there which is dobberhockey.com they've got All the tools, all the content. It's just like the perfect place. You go for articles every day. Those daily ramblings, so handy to get a quick recap of what happened the day before. I use those tools all the time at Frozen Tools, the player profiles. You get the line combinations on teams updating all the time, starting goalies over at goalie posts. I love it all. DauberHockey.com, thank you for presenting this show. And with that, Brian, I realized that I said St. Louis lost when I meant San Jose. Damn it! Okay, Starting now, no mistakes for the rest of the
1: show. Eric Carlson is on the San Jose Sharks, just for the record. And you should buy low. <laughs> I'm wearing a
0: shark's hat. I should have known this. I was thinking, I guess I like to compare Carlson to Wayne Gretzky. And you know, he got sent to St. Louis at one point. So that's how I get those two mixed up. But okay, I'm ready to go now, Brian. I like I said, I want to start with some players that haven't started the season well and are leading people to struggle with that decision of whether to drop them for a hot free agent or hold on. There's so many hot free agents. We'll get to uh, some of them, you know, later on in the show. Also, you know, we've covered a lot of them before. Like, and it's so tough and fancy. Maybe before we get started, Brian, you can give a general overview of your take on this. Like you draft a player, you think he's gonna be good, then all of a sudden you see oh my god this guy's like not even on the top line or top power play like I was expecting he doesn't have any points why am I holding on to him when I could grab Warren Fogle off of free agency he's getting points every single game
1: I'm actually really excited to talk about that line it's going to come towards the end of the show but we're gonna we're gonna share some pretty awe-inspiring information about that line and what do you do well you decide you hopefully you have a plan going into the year you look at who the best players are in free agency. You figure out how far above or below replacement they are compared to the rest of your roster. And then you designate a couple spots on your roster to stream in and stream out and try and catch lightning in a bottle, try and catch those super hot free agents and know who you can cycle out without being too worried about losing them forever. Like either that you will lose them forever and you won't care or you know nobody else will jump on them and you're also gathering a lot of intel over the first couple of weeks by watching how other owners are managing free agency and the waiver wire, picking up on their tendencies, how active they are. Is there somebody in your league who's setting an alarm to wake up at three in the morning so they can add somebody off of Yahoo the moment uh, the moment the calendar officially moves to the next day? Like these are things you need to know how much free agency budget are people spending if your league uses fab all sorts of observations you can be making. Like if you're not making moves, you should still be checking your free agency and waiver wire daily just to learn the habits of your fellow owners. So you know how you can manage your own team and uh, and and win. win the wire, I guess is a cheesy way to end that.
0: Okay. So I guess if I could try to like break down what you're saying into a little nugget, it's kind of like saying, look, before you drop a player, you try, you want to kind of get the gist of whether you think this player is going to get added by your opponents right away. and You'll never get him back again. Or if it's the type of league where if you drop a guy who's cold, you don't have to worry about him getting added. You'll still have dibs to get the player back once he heats up. And we'll get to, to some specific examples and let's start in St. Louis, which is where I apparently I already started, but now we're going to go there for real. Unless you tell me that Alex Petrangelo is not on the St. Louis Blues. I think he is, though you wouldn't know from looking at the score sheet because he has Hasn't been there yet this year. So far, four games, no points. He's playing tonight. Maybe he'll do something tonight. But uh, uh, seven shots in four games isn't very much. Two hits, three blocks... Not delivering points or peripherals to add to the concern. St. Louis has been rolling two pretty even power plays with Petrangelo playing with the Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, Maroon, and Bozak unit. Then there's been the Pareco with Perron, Shen, Steen, and Schwartz or Sammy Blaze because now Schwartz is injured and sometimes Pareco switched with Dunn. Like things are getting switched around so much in St. Louis and Petrangelo is not that like top power play, gonna get like 60% of the team's power play time every single game and it's hurting him. He's not getting any points of even strength. It's driving me crazy. I drafted him in two of my leagues thinking he was a sure thing, at least for peripherals, given me nothing and i'll bet there's one word that people are yelling at their phones right now because there's one thing we knew about alex petrangelo over the summer was that he had triplets and so many people warned us and said don't draft this guy he's gonna not be able to train he's gonna be tired all summer i thought it was like a joke but now like this is no joke this isn't funny like is there actually something to this or is it completely unrelated that petrangelo starting the season slow slow like is there something else going on here brian tell me you look under the hood like he did with eric carlson do i have a reason to expect alex petrangelo to be better or is he the Type of guy that, like, you know, you said in your little spiel there, you know, come up with a plan. Who are the players you're going to hold? Who are the players that you're going to be streaming? Like, Petrangel was a guy I was planning on holding all season long. And already, like, I'm not ready to drop him yet, but I'm definitely concerned that he's not going to come anywhere near the 54 points, 216 shots, 164 blocks from last year. Brian, ease my concerns here, please.
1: This baby having theory is like a part of keeping Carlson lore, where I think it was maybe in our second season, we had a patron who is buddies with an NHL player who told that guy, he said that like watch a player in a season where he becomes a father for the first time, his numbers will always dip. Now, I don't know that this has been empirically proven. Like we've watched a few cases over the years and seen some where we could say, yeah, maybe it's the kid and others where it didn't seem to have any effect. An empirical study would be lovely if anybody is looking for new ideas. Uh, But until then, you know, it, it is a reasonably logical thought that a player who, who's a first-time father is going to be a little distracted, a little busier, maybe a little more tired, and maybe they'll play better on the road. I don't know. But of course, players can also just hire nannies, and it's no problem, or au pairs. But instead of discussing child care options for NHL players the entire episode, let's get back straight to Petrangelo's numbers, which look particularly bad compared to last year's flaming hot start that had everybody talking. In Petrangelo's first four games last year, he had two goals, four assists for six points and 17 shots. Elon, you mentioned hits in his line when you said how badly he's been doing. Uh, But, you know, it's not really fair to mention that because we've never really looked for hits from him. So I'm going to we're going to forgive that. But the rest is kind of unforgivable if you put a lot of stock into him. After Petrangelo's incredible first month last season, though, he settled into a 50-point pace and averaged about three shots per night, and his deployment to date this year isn't much different from what he got in 17-18. Petrangelo seems to still be playing a couple more penalty kill shifts uh, than he did last year, but he's still seeing about half of his team's power play time, which is less than last year, but generally the standard in his career. So no. I'm not getting worried yet about him. It's not time to be concerned quite at this point. Last season, I was keeping a cool head saying that he wasn't a 65, 70 point defenseman. This year, I'm doing the same saying he's not a zero point defenseman
0: okay it's not a zero point defense but then yeah it's too early like you know we got to do a show here every week it'd be nice to take a whole month before we do our first episode of keeping carlson and we'll be able to give you more concrete data but yeah definitely a guy to keep your eye on who knows though if there's really anyone else it's not like pareko is lighting things up like i said vince dunn was getting healthy scratched everyone like he's, he's missed time so with being healthy scratched, not missed time like an injury right so it's not as if there's error parents that are nipping at his heels he's just not doing anything hopefully st louis will score a lot of goals and petrangelo will just start getting in on them most of the other blues we'd expect to do well have been been good like there's not too much else to talk about on this team like shan ran Riley, perron had a hat trick recently you know we were thinking perron was gonna be like a nobody he had trick. he's fine at least for now like steen is even doing stuff tarasenko all these guys have at least three points in four games going into today tarasenko two goals one assist on 27 shots which is insane like for wow. only four games have 27 shots can you believe it the one guy who i guess we can talk about that's somewhat interesting is pat maroon he was looking like a really good under the radar grab in bangers leagues uh, you know, at the start of the season, playing with P- Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly at even strength and on the power play. So far, he only has two assists in four games. So if he was added early, he might have been dropped by now. But I feel like we should suggest that people should hold on to Pat Maroon or grab him now. He's still getting the hits. He's got 10 hits so far in these four games. And he, if he's going to be playing with Tarasenko at even strength and on the power play, I feel like the points are going to come. Also, if Tarasenko taking 27 shots every four games, I'd imagine maybe one or two more of them will go in moving forward. So that's more opportunities for Maroon to get an assist.
1: Just to contextualize Tarasenko's shooting, he is second in the league right now in shots on goal with 27. Only guy above him is Patrick Kane, who's taken 33 shots in one extra game and five extra overtime periods. How about Chicago, starting with five consecutive overtime contests? wonder if that will catch up to them, but we're going to talk about them a little later. For now, Elon, you asked me about Patrick Maroon, and he is still a good guy to have in hits leagues for as long as he's playing with Tarasenko. What you need to do, though, if you own him, make sure you're just not hanging on to him for no reason, though. And by that, I mean, I bet there are some non-hits leagues where Maroon is pretty much a streamer-type guy and that more or equally interesting guys might be available, say guys who might be able to get 50 points uh, regardless of whether they play with Vladimir Tarasenko or not, whereas Maroon has that downside for if he does get pushed off the top line, which hasn't happened yet. But I'm just saying this is a moment in the season where you need to assess, okay, Maroon hasn't done a whole lot there. We can expect a whole lot more through the season. Uh, So you just want to make sure that he is the best option for you. In a hits league, he probably still is. Like, don't go dropping him for no reason. Uh, Hold him for now. See how he does for a couple more games. But he's a perfect example of somebody you want to be evaluating on your roster against the replacement options available in free agency.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing with our show, right, Brian? We're talking to people in like 10 team leagues and in 14, 16 team leagues. So obviously it depends who's available to decide whether or not Pat Maroon is even worth considering. Next week, by the way, St. Louis only plays on Wednesday and Saturday and Saturday's a packed day. So you probably wouldn't even fit Maroon into your lineup in most leagues. So he might not be worth grabbing right now. Maybe he's even worth dropping. That's another thing you have to consider for all these decisions. Are you going to be you know, being able to play the guy and look at the schedule and, you know, we've got patron Dave who does the screams, the stream scheme for uh, the screams. Well, it is October, so maybe he should call it the Scream Stream Show. Oh, these are hard words. Talking is hard. I don't know why I do a podcast, but what am I saying? Oh, yeah. He'll do a show for the patrons going over the schedule and talk about which players might be good to stream or to drop throughout the week. It's a lot of fun. It's a perk of being a patron of Keeping Carlson. Keeping carlsoncom slash patron. Brian, why don't we now talk about um, another Healthy scratch player, not more notable than Vince Dunn, okay? Kevin Shattenkirk. He was held out of Thursday's game against san jose after not playing well and being and he was like benched for most of the 8-5 loss to carolina last sunday so it's been a while since shattenkirk's gotten in some time he did get back in the lineup on saturday versus edmonton didn't play a lot only 17 minutes and 39 seconds only had a shot on goal no points so now we've got another guy with no points in four games talking about shattenkirk here same as petrangelo we've gotten a lot of questions asking if it's time to drop shattenkirk it would definitely make sense to drop him like considering he was probably a late pick in most leagues it's not as if you like had to invest a lot to get him and he was a late pick because he had a disappointing stretch last season before missing the entire second half of the season with his injury of course this is a guy who had 56 points in 2016-17 with the blues and caps and he's still a top power play guy on the rangers as far as i know sometimes i feel like these players get healthy scratch and it's more like a wake-up call the coach trying to tell the player hey smart up, play better not an indication of things to come though i didn't like that 17 minutes 39 seconds of ice time in that return so brian do you think the scratch and low ice time for Shattenkirk, along with no points. Is that a sign of things to come, or would you hold Shattenkirk expecting him to get the message and start producing soon?
1: Well, Shattenkirk may have gotten no points in his return to the lineup, but 17 minutes and 39 seconds of ice time allowed at least a small sigh of relief from his owners, who'd seen him play just seven and a half minutes and then not play at all over the past two games. Now, Elon, you've just asked me if Shattenkirk should be held on to And this is a situation, unlike Patrick Maroon, where it's like, do you really have any other option but to hang on to Shattenkirk? It's so unlikely that there's another free agent defenseman who has Shattenkirk's upside or even 50 point upside. Even if there's a 40 point upside defenseman available uh, in free agency in your league right now, I still wouldn't drop Shattenkirk for them. All you can really do here, as is the case with a lot of early slumpers who have name brand marquee material names, uh, is weighted out. See what happens. Also remember that Shattenkirk and all the Rangers are playing under a new coach. And I think this is the, the prime suspect in what's happening with Shattenkirk's minutes early on. Uh, new coach David Quinn in New York clearly unhappy with what he's seeing as he benches vets shuffles lines while his team loses four of their first five games so you've got David Quinn in there trying to establish himself and send messages and set tones for what is poised to be a difficult year for the club but it's Quinn's first in the show and he's got a longer term outlook to be considering as he prepares to take this team through a likely rebuild. So that's all I can really read into the benching and scratching of Shattenkirk, that Quinn is trying to send a message and saying, hey, on this team, we try hard, we play hard, we follow whatever rules the coach is laying out. It's almost like the first week of class at school, right? You need to, you need, even if someone's super smart, if they're acting out, you need to come down on them, let them know who's boss. And (laughs) so if you own Shattenkirk, I would just, you know, hang tight. Because the Rangers are still really going to need him if they want to collect some little victories along the way through what looks to be a rebuilding year. Okay,
0: yeah. So note definitely to any students in Brian's classes: <laughs> don't be the guy making a scene in the first week of the of the season, or what do you call That's it in too school? Months, really. <laughs> of the it's not a season. The school year is there a word for a school year? School year school year okay uh so brian like uh, the thing is you it's obviously easy to say right you know hold him hold petrangelo doesn't matter like there's no defense but there have been some really exciting defensemen that are probably already snapped snapped up in like a lot of leagues you know thomas shabbat was unowned in a lot of my leagues now he's like on fire we'll talk about him later on the show we've got yoki Haryu over on chicago which i you messaged me telling me that's how you pronounce his name it's not Yoki Harju, not yoki Harju, yoki Haryu. okay anyways he was super hot we talked about him on the last episode he's probably gone in most leagues as well so like these people holding on to shattenkirk they are missed out who knows if there's going to be another one still available these potentially breakout defensemen they don't last long so but you're saying guy like shattenkirk 50 plus point upside yeah i feel like i agree with you you have to hold on there's obviously going to be better things to come you've given a lot of reasons to think that maybe this is just early season jitters new coach all of that okay but yeah with the rangers by the way they have a one in four record so far it hasn't been a great start they've been shaking up their lines already like we thought at the beginning of the season it was going to be Zabanajad with Kreider and bucinievich and that was going to be a great spot for bucinievich that's already changed yesterday versus the islanders Sorry, yesterday versus the Oilers. They were going with Zibanejad, Kreider, and Jesper Fast. And the second line was Zuccarello, Bucinevich, and a guy named Brett Howden. And believe it or not, Jesper Fast is actually leading the team right now in points. He has one goal and three assists in five games. Rookie Brett Howden has three points himself. So nice spots in the top six for however long it'll last. Are either of these guys on your radar
1: at all? No, not especially. Like, it's good to know these names, right? If you're sorting your free agents and seeing who's at the top, uh, Brett Howden and Jesper Fast might show up. Brett Howden is a former first-round pick, 27th overall uh, choice of the Tampa Bay Lightning back in 2016, uh, and had a pretty successful finish to his WHL career, scoring 75 points in 49 games with Moose Jaw. Uh, But uh, he hasn't... uh, really done anything at the pro level like he he's been amazing in the Western Hockey League good for him we'll see what he's got to offer in the bigs I'm not sold yet but someone to keep your eye on uh, Jesper Fast also seems to be a guy who we know can go on short runs here and there but he's never really put up sustained production just keep in mind that the Rangers line seem to be in flux quite a bit. So don't read too much into who's in a top six spot in any given moment until things settle. Like neither Faust or Howden are producing a whole lot of shots or shot attempts either. So that is a, a negative for me trying to figure out how offensively productive they're going to be.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think some of these advice that we give for these players that are getting into the top six, sort of like a nice looking spot, even though they're not the type of player you really want to be investing on in your fantasy teams, something might be good for daily fantasy, right? Like we're going to talk about FanDuel a little bit later. When you need a $3,500 $3, player, and that's the lowest amount that, you know, a player can go for to fill your lineup in these daily leagues, you know, these types of guys, those are the ones who want to add get the guy playing with Zabana Jad. Who knows? Maybe they'll get lucky, but only if one of those Zabana Jad shots goes in. Because on the other side, like Zabana Jad's had a slow start to the season. He's the top line, top power play center but only has one goal and one assist in five games but he has 20 shots on goal not as good as Tarasenko but still that's pretty good in only five games I assume these shots are signs of better things to come
1: yeah, those 20 shots on goal. I mean, I just spoke about how Faustin Howden's uh, shot attempts are bad. Zabanejad's are great. 20 shots for him is amazing over this first bit of the season. Zabanejad's also seen a pretty large spike in his time on ice. He's up two and a half minutes per game to 20 and a half minutes per game on average. If that sounds high for a centerman, it is. He ranks 15th amongst all centers in the league in average time on ice. But that's also thanks in large part to a pretty considerable raise in his penalty killing responsibilities under new coach David Quinn. And of course, during those uh, penalty kill times we wouldn't expect a whole lot of offense from Zbanejad but still noteworthy nonetheless that he's being given uh, a larger role with greater responsibility seems to be trusted by his coach which bodes well even if he's playing another two minutes during which we can't expect a whole lot of production although if you are in a league that counts shorthanded points uh, there's a little bonus to his game
0: yeah for sure it's bad, like and also all these players that we're talking about we're talking about them in this like sad thing like oh if you own this player what do you do woe is me get the tissues i'm crying here because all these players are doing so badly uh, uh, the other way to look at it is some of these players might fall to free agency because their owners or their initial owners become impatient and i would definitely grab out if he becomes a free agent in your league like i like him better than out of like a derek Stepan or someone who's like always like the top center available in free agency i feel like in all of my leagues another pointless player getting questionable deployment is nikolai ehlers like he's getting even worse deployment than Shattenkirk I feel like he hasn't been benched that's right but he also by the way no points in four games going into today's game versus Mrazik and the Hurricanes he only has six shots on goal in four games We'll talking about Ealers and his highest ice time so far has only been 14 minutes and 24 seconds he's down and he's been as low as 10 minutes and 31 seconds in one of the games that's really low he averaged 16 16- minutes per game last season and sometimes he would get even higher he he was also even bumped from his line to spot with line a and little for a while uh, like just a couple weeks ago or like last week and now he's back like on thursday he was back on that line for the three nothing loss to nashville no sniff of the top power play though as per usual for Nikolai Ehlers. So, yeah, he's still on the Lainey lines. So you'd, you'd think he'd have to bounce back at some point. But here's a guy who had 29 goals and 60 points last season, and we were expecting him to only get better playing with a guy like Patrick Line, who we thought could challenge for 50 goals. So far, neither of those predictions are looking too great. Got to imagine, as an Ehlers owner, there's nothing you could do but hold at this point, right? But if you're not an Ehlers owner, is now potentially the time to buy low? Like, would you use a top... Like, Brian, okay, let's say you... We're in your league, your cup of league, and Ehlers gets dropped. And let's say this is a league where it's a like waiver priority. You have the number one waiver priority. Is he the type of guy that you, you use your number one waiver priority to add? I'm just curious to get your sense of how high you are on Ehlers for this season, even though he has no points in his first four games.
1: I think the clarifying question is, for context, what point-level producer would I be willing to drop? Like, let's say there are only 40-point producers available in free agency. Yeah, I'm going to use my top waiver priority to add Ehlers, especially if my bottom roster guy is in the 45-50-point range. If in free agency there's 50-55-point guys, you know, I still might. I still might make a move for Ehlers if I had top waiver priority, but I'd hesitate a little bit more, especially if I'd be dropping uh, anybody who has 60-point potential for him. Uh, That would be a fairly shallow league, though. Um, So if he does become available, you should be interested. I do remember last season he started off strong. Then he went quiet for a while and I dropped him in one of my leagues. And I I can't quite remember. I won the league. I can't remember if I got him back or not. Uh, It doesn't matter because I won. But like these are the times that where you need to, like we were saying off the top, gauge how interesting he might be to the other owners in your league. Are they aware of Nick Ehlers? Like, if they don't even know that his ice time is down, they're going to jump all over him. So that's that's like a flip side of the coin if you're playing with other people who might not quite be as knowledgeable as you from listening to keeping Carlson. Anyway, if you own Nick Ehlers or are considering adding him, what you need to know is that Ehlers is still playing with Liney and Little at even strength. So that's good, uh, but definitely bad, uh, like definitely worse than any time last year is his ice time last year Ehlers played around 14, 16 minutes a night, but rarely less than 14 minutes for any meaningful stretch of time. So what's the deal here with all these sub 14 minute games to start the season. So I listened to this interview that Paul Maurice did Saturday with uh, this, uh, the illegal curve.com website, which is a, a Jets fan blog. And Maurice was pretty quick to jump at the moment that the interviewer mentioned Ehlers essentially landing at how he saw some signs of life from Ehlers generating offense, but that there's like a level of quickness and compete. This is a quote that Ehlers can improve on. So it sounds like Ehlers just needs to work himself back into Palmer good graces by being more consistent in his game, by doing whatever he's being asked to do for a whole shift or a whole set of shifts rather than ones every four shifts, according to what his coach is seeing. But the fact that Ehlers is still on the second line while all this is happening is a positive sign that Maurice hasn't completely lost faith in him, that he's eventually going to get back up to at least 15, 16 minutes a night, playing still on the second line. So maybe there's another week or two to struggle through. But after that, I'd be expecting Ehlers to be a near 60 point player. Elon, we had actually pegged him at 65 points in our projections. That's looking hard to hit right now, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I just thought that he was doing so well at even strength and I felt like he still has room to grow as a young player. And I was just so high on Patrick Line. Maybe we could get to him in a second. Like, but yeah, like I just felt like this line was gonna be so great and just it hasn't happened yet. Like uh you mentioned earlier this week that you had some guys you wanted to talk about who you've removed from your watch lists, like you were just messaging me saying that would be a fun segment on the show. I didn't add that as a segment for the show, but I know that like Brian Little is someone who I had on my watch list. Going into the season, because I thought, yeah, he's playing with Ehlers in line. It's such a good line. Like, he might be good, and no one's drafting him. But now I kind of feel like, I'm not even so into Brian Little. Does he hold a permanent spot for you at least on your watch list as long as he's centering that second line or like at some point when he's also not getting any points and yeah spoiler like he hasn't either plus he only has two shots so far is he someone you drop and I guess maybe all of this hinges on what we think about Patrick Laine like if Patrick Laine is going to take off and get 50 goals and 80 points then you would got to assume Little and Ehlers will both come along with him and obviously Ehlers to a more ex- like higher extent
1: Yeah. So starting with Brian Little, I mean, he played pretty much the first half of last season with Lainey and Ehlers, and he still only managed a 47, 48 point pace from that spot. And that was low enough for him to be a free agent in a lot of leagues. And I think that's where he still belongs, right at the top of guys that you might want to stream on a random night to try and get some points in your lineup. But he's not going to reward you often enough that you're going to want to hold on so tight to him until at least he shows us some stretch of sustained production, which has been missing now for at least about a year. And he has even less value to you if your league counts shots on goal. It's been a while since he's offered much help there. Uh, It won't be like right now he has two shots in four games. It's not going to be two shots every four games bad, but uh, he's still not going to offer you much that you can count on in that category. He's a guy who often puts up a zero or a one in the shots on goal column. And then, Elon, you're asking about Patrick Liney and how things hinge on him. Well, yeah, he's actually only seeing uh, 13 and a half minutes a night on average. So he started the season. Oh, sorry. You know, what? that's taking into account the game he's currently playing where he's played five minutes of ice. So he's seen 15 and a half minutes of ice on average this season, which is actually below the 16 and a half minutes that he saw on average last season and the 18 minutes that he saw two seasons ago. And this was a year where we were like, Patrick Liney is destined he's due to get this bump in deployment it's going to be handed to him on a silver platter and we're seeing him play less than usual thankfully for people who own him he's still putting up his three shots per game Uh, unfortunately for him he only has one goal on those 15 shots when his usual shooting percentage would give him uh, like three goals on those 15 shots and then we wouldn't be so concerned he'd have four points in five games and everything would be a hunky-dory that's not the case yet but it will be and of course once he gets going like maybe Ehlers isn't doing enough to get Liney going and that's why Maurice is upset I don't know what's happening on that second line but I do have a lot of faith that between Ehlers, Liney and even Brian Little who's still a talented player just not so fantasy relevant the three of them have enough skill talented know-how between them to start making things happen before too long. Yeah,
0: you got to hope so. And hey, Winnipeg's only two and two. A lot of people thought they were going to be some amazing team super early in the season, but two wins, two losses. Hey, Paul Maurice, let's try something. Let's play Ehlers and Lyde a little longer. Might be good. I don't know. I'm not the coach. I'm just a... Fantasy hockey player and avid hockey fan, but I'm sure Paul Maurice knows more than me. But you know what, Brian? I am a fan of watching hockey games, as you know. That's why we do this podcast. I'm a fan of going to going out, also, like just going to things. And we've got a sponsor for this episode that's gonna help you, the listener, go out to watch hockey games. Go out to watch anything you want because we are very proudly being sponsored for this episode by our friends over at SeatGeek. And as you guys all know getting tickets online can be far too complicated. There's hundreds of sites with varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And the thing about SeatGeek, they're designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And I like that because you can sort by price but then you're gonna see a bunch of garbage tickets if you start by value you know you're getting a good deal and I sometimes even just like to take out my SeatGeek app and browser what's going on in Toronto I see Florence and the Machine is coming to Toronto you know dog days are over that's that's a fun band I would have never thought to look up when Florence and Machine is playing but now that I see they're coming on October 16th I'm gonna go and I get tickets for as low as $89 thank you SeatGeek for that information so yeah if you are a type of person who likes to go out to things or you want to get a gift for someone, check it out, Brian. And our listeners can even get a little discount, right? Just because we love them so much.
1: Yeah, that's the best part of Seat Geek and Keeping Carlson together is that our listeners get $20 off their very first Seat Geek purchase. All you need to do is download the Seat Geek app, enter the promo code Keeping, do it today. That's promo code Keeping, and you'll get $20 off your first Seat Geek purchase. Seat Geek, life's an event. We got the we tickets. We the tickets. We don't have them. SeatGeek
0: has the tickets. They've got the tickets. Don't call, don't tweet at Carlson asking for your tickets. We do not have your tickets, but they'll they'll have you covered. Okay, let's go. We're still on the sad train here talking about players who are disappointing us. And let's go to a player that I think you're going to agree with me. Time to let him go. Time to give up, okay? We're going to go to the Chicago Blackhawks, who overall don't have much sadness to discuss, right? DeBrinket and Taves have been amazing. They're both leading the way with nine points in five games. Patrick has eight points. Schmaltz, Dominic Cahoon, Duncan Keith all have four points in five games. But one name that has been almost completely absent from the score sheet is Brandon Saad we should name the show after him it's a sad show and brandon sad is the poster boy for a disappointing fantasy player he only has two assists in five games so far and yesterday's ot win over the blues the ot win over the blues sad was bumped all the way down to the fourth line he was playing with marcus kruger and david Kampf. someone named alexandra fortin took his primo spot with kanan schmaltz and while fortin didn't get a point he put up four shots on goal which isn't so bad, especially compared to Saad, who only has nine shots in five games overall on the season. Fortin got four just in one game, and that's what you should get if you're playing with guys like Schmaltz and Patrick Kane. Come on, what? Like, I don't get this. Like, Brandon Saad, he had 35 points last season, and we, you know, over the summer, like, in our almanac, we were giving all these reasons why, oh, you know, like, he had a lot of bad shooting luck, all of this, but at this point, like, he's had the bad season last year. He'd been demoted to the fourth line. He's not doing anything. Can we finally give permission to let go of Brandon Saad at this point? Like, everyone wants to drop him. They're just waiting for Brian Com to say yeah let him go get an exciting free agent we thought a bounce back was coming but if he's not on the Patrick Kane line I gotta tell you I have no interest and by the way this Panarin for Saad trade is looking like so terrible at this point this is looking like Taylor Hall for Adam Larson level or at least close
1: yeah it is and not only is Brandon Saad not on a relevant even strength line he's also only getting second power play time. So uh, just to rewind a little bit and where we were going into the season, uh, Elon, you and I were, or maybe I was higher than you. I don't know. I'm Brandon Saad. Like I felt good about it. I was expecting better deployment. He did start the year with that deployment, but he lost it very quickly. And it seems that anytime I do get hopeful about a Chicago player getting better deployment, it just like, never comes. In Brandon sod's case, the line coming from coach Joel Quenville and beat reporters is that there's a consistency and motivation piece missing from his game and that whatever drove him to be the player he was in his first run with Chicago and then his first year in Columbus uh, is gone. It's missing. And so, you know, you can read into that what you will, whether they know exactly how to motivate him or not. I mean, it is A coach's job to know how to get the best out of his players and I I heard I read that Saad also like got a little sad and sulky when he was demoted in Columbus and so uh, it's interesting that Chicago might try the same tag in any case uh, what makes Saad droppable because this is what we want to know right is he droppable and the answer is yes Brandon Saad is droppable and what makes him more droppable Than someone like Shattenkirk or Ehlers or even Patrick Maroon is that Saad is down to having just 12 goals in the last calendar year. That's in his last 81 games played and only 17 assists on top of that. It's been essentially since the sixth game of last year that Brandon Saad has put up fantasy relevant production. And thanks to Mark Lazarus over at The Athletic for laying that out. So you can let Brandon Saad go because it's just been so long since we've seen him do it do anything no one's about to go jump on him and i think it still could get worse before it gets better right he could still end up scratched if this fourth line business isn't helping him find his game or motivate him or whatever like i still believe he can bounce back but i don't know uh, i don't know what it's going to take to make that happen all these articles talking about a six million dollar cap hit and the trade for panarin make it sound very very dire this is the whole situation. So uh, yeah, drop Brandon Saad for now. But if he does work his way back up to Patrick Kane's line, I would be pretty ready to have him on my roster about as ready as I was on day one of the season.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, and I mean, you say it's like dire, like it's dire for Sod, but like I said, Chicago's scoring a lot of goals, it's not as if they're in need of someone like him in the top six. Like Alex DeBrinket is breaking out into a superstar, so they could afford to. I don't teach Brandon Sada a lesson, or maybe just leave him on the fourth line. I don't know, but in the meantime, I agree with you. If he gets back on the Patrick Kane line, then sure, go and grab him back. But I'm happy to let him go at this point. And so, Brian, who's this Alexandra Fortin guy? Is he worth a look? Like playing with Patrick Kane has always been such a great spot. Nick Schmaltz is there doing well, and I feel like he's a really good playmaker. So I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but Alexandre Fortin. Who is this guy, and is he good?
1: Fortin, Elon, you're Canadian. You learned French in school.
0: Oh, it's like Jacques
1: Martin. Alexandre, yeah. Alexandre yeah, a- Fortin. Uh, I, I'm just going to go with Alex because because we're buddies, uh, but Alex Fortin was undrafted, uh, not much of a pedigree. The 21-year-old had just 22 points in 53 games in his first pro season with AHL Rockford last season, during which he actually ended up being a healthy scratch in the playoffs, but he worked himself back into the organization's good graces in this year's prospect tournament, and then through training camp. And now look at him now. He's in the NHL. He's a speedy guy, and that's what makes him kind of like a replacement possibility for the now departed Vinny Hinestroza. So that's around how I'm valuing him. He's playing as a third piece on a good line and is worth a thought in deeper formats. And actually, while we're talking about 4 we should also say that we can say about the same thing for Dominic Cahoon as well. He's a tiny check. He stands at just five foot nine, though he weighs about the same as Fortin, who is three inches taller. But who cares? Right. Uh, Cahoon also plays a quick game and is well deployed at the moment, playing with Taves and Debrinket. He's 23 years old, was undrafted, but managed a point per game in Germany's top league last season, the DEL. So in deeper formats, Cahoon could also be worth a look. Yeah, and
0: both Forte and Cahoon. Keep them in mind for your daily fantasy lineups when you need your cheap option. Okay, one more name in Chicago I've got to bring up. I already mentioned him earlier in the show, but like people were all over Henry Yokiharyu earlier in the week. He had five assists in his first three games. We talked about him on the podcast. We were saying, yeah, he's looking good. He's getting all these points. It would be nice if he got power play time. That's the one reason to maybe not get super, super excited. And then like that show dropped. And then I feel like the next day, Chicago practice lines came out saying that Yokiharyu is now going to be getting a shot on the top power play. And let's remind everyone this top power play is with the Brinket and Kane and Schmaltz and Taves. This is a really good spot to be. Everyone was rushing to grab him. Like in all of my leagues, he was snapped up. We were getting so many questions on Twitter. Should I drop this guy? Like I think Shankirk, like the news was coming out that Shankirk was going to get scratched. So there's a lot of questions. Should I drop Shankirk for Yoki Haru? We were saying no. I hope that we won't end up looking like we were idiots when we were giving that advice. Uh, like for what it's worth. Uh, The next two games since then, he has no points ever since he got onto this top power play. He has seven shots on goal, which is really good, especially for a defenseman. And he has held that top power play spot. Who knows how long it'll last, Brian? At this point, what are your thoughts on Henry Yokiharyu? Like, perhaps he's been, if he was, like, added in a league, like, right away, it might be the type of league where people are really impatient, just add and drop people as soon as they're hot or cold. So it might even be the point, like, if he goes scoreless for one more game, he might get dropped. So what do you think about him? Like, should people be rushing to add him again if he's somehow still available or if he's available now? Are you super into him? Or do you think that he was, like, too highly valued and he's a nice flyer, but not someone you could expect very much from long term?
1: Not for anything, and I apologize, too. We were undervaluing him on last week's show, saying that the power play quarterback on the top unit in Chicago changes with the wind. But so far, I mean, it's still five games, so we really can't read a whole lot into it. But at the moment, I'm very interested to see how long Yoki Haru's deployment as the top power play quarterback is going to stick. And uh, until it doesn't stick, what's the opposite of stick. Unsticks, falls off, slides, yeah. Slides. I don't think that, anyway. As long as when his deployment slides. I think that sounds really cool. I think we okay. should go with that. I was thinking of like a, a waffle or pancake thrown against a wall.
0: Okay. (laughs) Then it slowly drips down the wall. Does drip work?
1: So as Yogi Hayu's deployment slowly drips down the wall, uh, note that uh, he might not get as many opportunities to put pucks towards the net, but he is right now, Elon, you mentioned his his shots on goal numbers. They were good. Uh, Like, I feel like at this point, you'll be lucky if Yogi Hayu is still available in most leagues. He was like the classic first few days of the season everybody right like every year there's one of those guys that everybody just runs for right away it was I think Worensky was the guy in his breakout season I'm trying to remember who it might have been last year feel free to tweet us or comment in the chat if you're here anyway the fact that uh, Yogi Haryu is probably not available might have your decision made that I say that but I also want to say that I don't have anyone on my own kick up full roster that I would drop for Yogi Haryu. I have four defensemen they're Ryan Pulak, Sammy Vatanen, Cam Fowler and Ryan Ellis and it, just to sit, help situate where he is, I still don't want him any more than either one of those guys.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Sammy Vatnin jumps out to me as someone that's not particularly exciting. I guess he started the season, okay, New Jersey's amazing. We'll get to them a lot later in the show we get into the hot streaks. I already have a whole section planned for them. Sammy, so they've got three wins so far in three games, but Vatnin's not on the top power play. It's Will Butcher, right? But I guess Vatnin does have three assists in those three games. I don't know. I might make that swap, but that's interesting. Okay, so we get a sense of where you think Yoki Haryu is. Uh, Let's go now to the Philadelphia Flyers. They've shaken up their lines. They moved Jacob Voracek up to the top line and Travis Konechny got bumped to line two and this is obviously great for Vorchek, who's loving life this season. He's got eight points in five games so far. Giroud's not far behind. He's got six points in five games but that like line change combined with Konechny's sad one assist in five games has led to a lot of people dropping him over the past week. He's now available in two of my three leagues so I'm very interested to hear what you're going to say about Travis Konechny. I will give you though some reasons to think that maybe Konechny will get back on line one at some point soon. So like you know obviously these advice is when he's not on line one I don't know if I'd want him but here's some reasons to think that maybe he'll get there soon so first of all hard to forget how great he was there last year right he got 24 points in 31 games to end the season once he got promoted to that top line with Couturier and Giroux okay also Oscar Lindblom was hurt in the third period yesterday versus Vegas Lindblom took a hit to the head by Braden McNabb he didn't return Nolan Patrick was hurt against the Sens on Wednesday he's gonna be out seven to ten games JVR is also still out so you'd think Philly needs to spread around that offense a little bit like they gotta share Voracek spread the wealth You know, if Voracek's up on the top line, you don't have anyone helping out. I guess you got Wayne Simmons somewhere around there on like the third line. But I feel like there might be a need for Philly to spread some players around, maybe get Konechny back on the top line, then Voracek back on the line where he could drive some offense there. Also, the Flyers were shut out by Fleury, Marco J. Fleury in the Golden Knights yesterday. So maybe that will be a catalyst for a change. So there are some reasons to think that maybe Konechny could get his line one spot back. But that said... What do you think at this point? Should Konechny owners hold on to him? Should people with Konechny available jump on him? Will he have any value at all while he's not playing with Giroud and Couturier?
1: So I'm one of these Konechny owners, and I'm holding on for the time being. Even if he is not playing with Couturier and Giroud, it's been really difficult trying to hang on to him, though. I've definitely con- contemplated dropping him several times, knowing that streaming him out actually could have been the difference between winning and losing my week one matchup in the full, which is a rubber match repeat of last year's full finals. So, like, I-, I want it. I want to prove that I... Anyway, uh, but I'm hanging tight still to me because I can't bear the thought of losing the guy that tore it up for the entire second half last season. Like, he was unstoppable. me is a guy that I'm willing to take a little short-term pain for in hopes of long-term gain, although I admit that there's usually one or two of these guys on my roster each year, and they don't consistently pan out. Last year's version was Kyle Ocposo, who I held for far too long. Anyway, the silver lining here for Konechny owners is that he's actually still looking really good. Like he's passing the eye test here and the analytics test too. He's only got five shots in five games, but these shot attempts are actually healthy enough to suggest that he's going to get back to averaging a couple per game before long. So don't worry too much about that. Uh, some extra time on ice is also, of course, going to help there. He's been under 12 minutes for each of the last couple games. I don't know why it happened two games ago, but the most recent one was likely because of a foot injury he'd sustained in practice. So, you know, gave him a, a couple minutes off a break. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Uh, and connect me if your league count hits, still hitting at a nice enough rate. As for the eye test, uh, as given evidence for excellently, Uh, you can rearrange those words and it will be an actual sentence. Charlie O'Connor over at the athletic uh, explained how connect chances are still coming. And he included video too. It was a really great article uh, and he showed that connect made his had hit three posts in his first four games and had been flat out robbed by goalies and even defensemen bailing out their goalies on at least a couple of occasions. And that's why I am confidently or trying to convince myself that I'm confident about it keeping Konechny on my roster. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be flexible and make a move if I see a better player out there. Like Konechny is still not uh, in line to be a top power play guy, which does hurt his value somewhat. But if you knew that was the deal when you drafted him and you're still okay with that, then holding the course for another handful of games seems justified. It seems like the reason that he got shuffled off at the top line was to get Voracek going. Now that Voracek's going, I don't know, exactly what that means. I'm very curious to find out if they they're like, okay, now you're going, go work on other lines, or this is where you're going really well. I agree with you, Elon, though, that it seems like the flyers would benefit more from spreading it out, at least across two lines, instead of loading up only one.
0: Yeah. And like I said, like, also, I feel like every time a team gets shut out, there's always like, I feel like that's a- often the time when you see lines changing up in the next practice. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens before Philly's next game. Interesting question in the chat room, Brian. I see you're thinking about it. Konechny or Ehlers? Two guys we've talked about who don't get on their team's top power play. We trust them because we expect good deployment. Ehlers still playing with Patrick Laine. At this point, who would you want more?
1: If I had them both on my roster and I needed to to stream one out, it would be Konechny.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy choice. Like, I feel like Ehlers, if you drop him, he's going to get added for sure. Konechny still hasn't really proven himself aside from that great stretch at the end of last season. So more likely that he'll stay in free agency.
1: And Ehlers is more locked in alongside Liney, clearly, than Konechny is locked in alongside anyone
0: yeah like Giroux or Couturier though speaking of Couturier by the way he's been on the top line and top power play all season long only two points in five games which is kind of crazy considering how good Giroux has been uh so what do you think about Sean Couturier I feel like he's a buy low candidate at this point right like if someone is disappointed in him he if 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 he's on this like amazing Philly top power play got to imagine the points are going to be coming
1: yeah yeah I don't have much more to add there everything looks fine with Couturier the goals and the points gonna come Maybe All they right. should put him on a line with Konechny, get him going.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. Well, if that happens, then we'll have to reassess. But for now, I definitely think that you should be sending a trade offer to the Shakhter owner. Send over some guy on a hot streak and see what you can uh, see if you can pull something off. And tweeted us at Keeping Carlson to let us, you know, if you want to ask us, if should I make this offer for, to the Couturier owner, we'd be happy to help. We try to answer every single tweet we get for free, just because we're nice people. We don't even get anything for it. Okay. If you, that's not true. We get a loyal listener. Why, why am I rambling about this? I want to talk about more sadness. I, I'm really enjoying we, I, the summertime sad. Okay. Anyways, I could have mentioned uh, Lord for, is it Lord that sings summertime sadness? for The Seeky commercial? Oh, man. No, it's Lana, Lana
1: Del Rey. I get those two confused. i it sounds more like a Lana Del Rey song. There's a SeatGeek ad with this song on it. No, like uh, when
0: I do my SeatGeek ad, I like to look at what's co- going on. I feel like a Lana Del Rey oh. concert would be a fun thing to... What am I doing? Okay, let's go to the New York Islanders now because depending on who you own on the Islanders, you're either very happy or very disappointed. The lines haven't changed since training camp. They've been going with Barzel, Bailey, Beauvillier, and Nelson, Eberly and Lee. And the top power play has consistently been Lee, Everly, Barzel, Bailey, and Nick Letty on that top power play unit. So, okay. Barzil, he's been great. One goal and four assists in four games. He's amazing. We all know it. Probably going to get 70 plus, maybe even 75 plus, maybe even 80 plus points like he did last year. Okay. Uh, Andres Lee, even though he's not on the Barzil line, he's got two goals, both on the power play. So he's obviously benefiting from being on that top power play unit. He seems like he's the trigger man. Also an assist. So that's three points in four games, 13 shots. He's looking good. Josh Bailey, one goal and three assists. That's fine. Then you look on the other hand, we've got Eberle, Beauvillier, and Letty all looking snoozerific at the moment i don't know if i want any of them and jordan eberle he's the one that's probably the highest profile of those three brian you love jordan eberle but at this point he has a sad one assist in four games so far only seven shots on goal overall this less than two a game i feel pretty comfortable saying he's not going to match his 59 points from last season let me know if i'm jumping the gun here by saying that i'm sure most eberle owners would be happy if you even will say he'll match his 51 points he got on the oilers back in 16 17 at this point like if he's not playing with barzil it's hard to be too excited for him though he is still on that top power play
1: Yeah. So let me just ask you, maybe you just explained your reasoning, but why would you think that he is looking more like his 51 point self?
0: I mean, well, aside from the fact that he's just not getting points right now, like,
1: why are you so ready to give up on him?
0: Well, he's being centered by Brock Nelson, which is not too interesting. Last year, he was centered by a guy named Matt Barzel, And I feel like that actually is pretty much the whole answer. (laughs) I think that actually (laughs) answers the whole question.
1: Okay, I guess that's fair. Uh, I don't agree with you, though. I disagree that 59 points is out of the question for Eberly again. And one big reason is that he's playing on the top power play, which was not the case last year and made him a riskier own because of it. Like, it, I asked you actually, I had Eberly early on last year and I was like on the fence about whether to keep him or not on my roster in a couple leagues. And we talked a lot about how he was on the second power play without looking like he's going to get a sniff of the top unit this year he's there and not only is he there Eberle is actually seeing a greater share of his team's power play time at this early stage of the season than he ever has in his career the other reason that I still like Eberle to threaten for 60 points and I'm going to plug a mostly meaningless number uh they're all mostly meaningless at this point of the season but I'm going to draw some meaning from it Uh, And that's his IPP. It's at 25%. Four goals have been scored while Iberle's been on the ice. He's gotten a point on exactly one of them. Now, the norm for him would be to have about a 70% IPP. So it would have seen him get a point on three of those four goals. And I'm expecting him to regress to the norm there once a few more goals are scored while he's on the ice. So yes, this is why I think you are jumping the gun on writing off Eberly and that 55 points to me remains his starting point. He had 59 points last year with power play two time that gave him 10 points with the man advantage. It's not terribly hard to see power play one time taking Eberle over the 60 point mark, even after a difficult start. And yes, I hear your point about the center change, but at worst, I consider that extra power play top unit time to wash out anything lost by having his center downgraded from Barzal to Nelson. And also he's still got Anders Lee. I guess.
0: I don't know, Brian. Like I'd love to bet board on you. I know once once you like say something like this, then I ask for a bet. You usually back off. But you're saying Let's like do his... it. So you're saying he's like for sure gonna get fifty-five as a baseline and you can see him getting sixty. So what's the bet here? Fifty-seven and a half?
1: Uh well I thought you were gonna go at fifty-five, which I was gonna like you're saying fifty-one. You said you think fifty five like I is a 55 guarantee? a starting point, yeah. So I like why don't we just say fifty five?
0: <laughs> okay, so I knew you'd say that. Okay,
1: so when well, you're trying say, to move the needle too far, like I when you say fifty five
0: is a starting point, what you actually mean is you think he's going to get fifty five points.
1: No, I'm saying like I can count on him for fifty five points, and then extra points would be lovely. But I'm not like necessarily counting on a whole lot extra. When you're saying he looks like a fifty one point player, you're actually saying that he could get fifty six points. Okay. How about this?
0: Let's do This is, I think the fair way actually to do these over unders. I think this is what we should do from now on. So we don't have these squabbles. One of us says a number and then the other one says over or under, and then that's fair. One person made the decision of the number. The other person made the decision of the over under. So I'm going to say a number. Why don't I get to say the number? Okay. You say the number. 55. okay that was a stupid thing i guess fine we can do over under 55 i think you're wrong anyways also i do feel like uh, you've told me this like power play is a very small percentage of the total time on ice right like the even strength is where most of the player's time uh, plays and when you say like you know oh he's like downgrading a little bit in his center he was playing with an 85 point center last year and now he's playing with like a 30 point center like who's brock nelson
1: Okay, I, I get that. But when have you been I, I feel like I discounted like the amount of time someone spends on the power play. Like when I've done that, it's because it's a smaller sample. So if a player overperforms or underperforms there, you can't necessarily expect it to sustain. I've never done it to discount the possibility of top power play production and Elon you love top power play, guys. What do you have against Jordan Everly?
0: <laughs> I love top line, top power play. I like both. You're, like, taking a half, halfway there. Like, he's halfway. That's good. If he was playing with Barzil, I'd even strike down on the power play. That's the one. But, okay, let's say 55 and a half. Lock it in. That's our bet. Oh, I'm going to win. And a half now. Well, I mean, give me a freaking break, Brian, <laughs> when you say it's his starting point. Oh, okay uh next anthony bevilier he's been dropped in all my leagues now he was like a really sneaky ad because he's playing with matt Varzel, which i think is really good but he's got no points in four games in a nice spot he's eight shots which is pretty good in four games two hit shots we not amazing but not bad four hits for what it's worth though i hit a game still definitely on my watch list for sure but have i been correct to hold off until i see some offense like i was tempted to add anthony bevilier when i saw him drop and i thought yeah let me wait till i actually see him do something and then i'll make the decision
1: Elon, just like you also you predicted 60 points for Eberle before the season, but I guess that was with Barzal as his center. Okay, I can move on. I swear I can. I'm not gonna lose sleep over this. Don't okay, so
0: that. Beauvillier.
1: Anthony Beauvillier. Uh with Andrew Lyde healthy, the Islanders now have some internal competition to offer Beauvillier for that top line left-wing spot. And sure enough, In Andrew Ladd's first game of the season, Beauvillier did get bumped down the depth chart mid-game to the third line where he played with Valtteri, Philpula, and Cal Clutterbuck. I don't think that's where Beauvillier stays forever. uh, and And he could very well still begin the next contest back on the top line on Barzal's wing. But knowing that this sort of new downside exists him in the depth chart does make it harder to hold on to him and a little easier to let go of him there's certainly leagues out there in which he's definitely droppable I'd say Beauvillier is closer to good deployment than someone like Brandon sod still but not quite as reliable at the moment as someone like Pat Maroon so if you're looking to figure out how likely is it that he plays on the top line for the next two weeks somewhere between those two players
0: all right. Drop him. We're saying it. Snoozer, get rid of Anthony Pavilion for now. Last one I want to talk about, Nick Letty. Might, I, in my opinion, tell me if this is too crazy of a statement. I think he might be the worst top power play defenseman in fantasy right now. Like Of the defensemen who are guaranteed to play on the team's top power plays, Nick Letty's the worst. He's He sucks. Come on. He's four, zero points so far. Only four shots in four games. I saw you said on Facebook today that you'd rather have Letty over Haskinen for the season. And I've always thought his name was Heiskanen, but you sent me a message just like with Yoki Haryu. You You told me it's Heiskanen. So I'm trusting you here. Don't make me look bad, Brian. But yeah, care to elaborate why you'd rather have Nick Letty? Like, I feel like it's just a matter of time before Pulak takes Letty's top power play spot, which, by the way, makes me think I'd jump on Pulak super fast if he were dropped in any leagues that I'm in. Like, he's only got one assist so far. But I feel like Pulak has a lot of room to grow, while Nick Letty is already bad. And I feel like his deployment could just get worse moving forward.
1: So I didn't say that I liked Letty more than Hayskinen for this season. And by the way, we're getting... Well, I watched the Dallas Stars play the other day, so I'm pretty sure I heard their announcer say it right. Also, EliteProspects.com. I'm just going to pass the buck. Someone else messed up if we're getting Hayskinen wrong. Uh, I did my homework this time. Anyway, I didn't say I like Letty for Hayskinen more for the season. I said for the moment, like if you can swap one out for the other at will, then... Or sorry, if you can't swap... Like, if you have to pick now for the next 78 games, uh, I would prefer Haskin in. The reason to like Letty more right now is that there's the ongoing possibility of top unit power play time. Elon, you said he's the worst power play quarterback in the league. And that's been the case before. And it's been the case until he isn't, right? Like, he's always had this up and down, unsteady Lettiness, where he's been able to suddenly fire off, you know, a a 12-game point streak. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but after having been cold forever with Haskinen, you can't really count on him getting top power play time with Klingberg in the picture. It's pretty much a pipe dream. So I I like Letty for his ceiling right now is what I'm saying. I would love to see Pulak take over the top power play. And by the way, just to continue with the Haskinen comparable, Haskinen has just one point and nine shots in four games. So that's not a ton more relevant. Than Nick Letty although Haskinen looks a lot better than Nick Letty when you watch him he's very noticeable anyway I do hope Ryan Pulock takes over the top power play at some point I don't see why not with Letty doing nothing there but of course the Isles have three power play goals so far on 12 opportunities in four games and that's kind of okay uh, Letty hasn't been very involved on any of them Uh, which makes him really frustrating to own in fantasy. It's just his up and down nature that makes you want to hold on to him just in case. But I'm hoping in the next week or two, Pulak is going to take over. It'll be the Pulak show. And then you're going to want Pulak, then Haskinen, and then Letty. And it'll be very easy to say that
0: yeah i agree with you for sure and hey in a lot of leagues you could probably drop Letty. and then if he starts getting a point if he has two games in a row with a point then he could grab him because like you say he does tend to go on runs we've seen that in the past who knows if he has it in him also i wouldn't look as much into heyskinen's first four games as Letty because heyskinen those are his first four nhl games as a teenager maybe he has a little bit of learning to do i feel like he's got a lot of room to get better over the season not only in the deployment but just like become a better player as he learns how to play in the nhl nick Letty's played a, a billion games right a thousand games i don't even know 500 he's, played, he's been around a while he was on black Backhawks back in the day. Uh, all right, Brian. Let's get away from the sadness that we've been spending a lot of time talking about all these players who are disappointing their owners. Maybe we could switch to happier times. I could have gone to injuries now and really just dig in, but now let's talk about injuries. Some players healthy finally. And actually, before we get to that, why don't we talk about the happiest thing, which is the fact that for the second week in a row, I've made money on our Keeping Carlson FanDuel League. Woo! Okay, so let's thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at FanDuel Fantasy Hockey is back hockey's back fantasy hockey's back and that means daily fantasy on fan duel fan duel is fantasy hockey for everyday fans new contest starting every day you play what like whatever you want you if you're bored one day i have no plans why don't you make a fan team see how you do there's lots There's something for everyone, right? There's lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1 up to I don't even know how much. I haven't looked how high, but I'm sure you could take a big risk and spend a lot of money, make a lot of money. But you just pick a contest, you choose your team, you watch your score in real time. It doesn't even matter about the money. It's just a lot of fun to compete. Like, I've been having a lot of fun competing against our patrons in our weekly FanDuel League. We do it every Tuesday, and last Tuesday, I made my team. I had uh, Tyler Sagan. I-, I came third place. Okay, so I didn't win, and actually, we got to give the credit here to XBDogX226. Cool name. Um, that person picked the winning team we both had Sagan idolized Pedersen who was good it wasn't like one of those amazing Pedersen games he had one assist it was a power play assist. actually we're gonna get to Pedersen a little later when we go back into the sadness uh that that hit on Pedersen drove me crazy I can't believe that but yeah like overall I think my big mistake was I played Philip Grubauer against Columbus his one game of the season he's played so far and he stunk by the way and Varlamov's been so good I feel like we were thinking it was gonna be 50-50 right now Varlamov's the for sure starter so what was I thinking the guy who won picked Frederick Anderson who got the 7-4 win over Dallas Frederick Anderson's going to let in like four goals every single game, but still win. Anyways, what am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about FanDuel and how fun it is. You could sign up today and you could play in our league. Why don't you tell the listeners, Brian, how they could try to take me down and keep me from landing in the money, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to do. But there's still other money spots for you, even if I land in there.
1: Yes, there are plenty. Uh, Yeah, for anyone who's having a draft withdrawal, FanDuel's a great way to keep drafting all season long. Uh, So to join our contest, it's going to open Tuesday around 10 a.m. Eastern time. And you can just head over to fandle.com slash Carlson. And just click the big button. And if you do, and you're a new uh, contestant, you never played before, new users on FanDuel going to our link, get a $5 deposit bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com, sign up with the promo code Carlson, as in Eric. That's FanDuel.com slash Carlson, and you'll get to join our contest, get your $5 deposit bonus, and uh, try and beat us. Get some bragging rights.
0: Yeah, and like it's a lot of fun because you know, you, you pick your expensive players and your cheap players. We've told you a bunch of good cheap players. Get, grab Jesper Fast while he's on the top line. Grab Alexandra Fortin, Fortin, sorry, playing with Patrick Kane. So we're already giving you some tips, but of course, I know those tips because I'm the one who told you those tips. So you're not going to beat me, but it seems pretty easy to beat Brian so far. So you could at least oh. enjoy that
1: last year i'm pretty i'm very in fact i'm positive that i had the better record you were the one at the bottom of the standings every night so enjoy this while it lasts
0: i spent all summer training and practicing <laughs> getting in the right mindset now i know how to do this
1: elon and- took up a fantasy golf over the summer <laughs> to, to hone his skills
0: Okay, so let's go to our now. Talk about some players who have come back. I mean, they haven't missed much time. We're only like three, four games into the season, but I wanted to start with Tyler Johnson over on Tampa Bay. He missed the first game of the season with an upper body injury, but he returned to the Lightning on Tuesday and then found himself on a fantastic line yesterday. The Triplets reunited. So it was Tyler Johnson with Palat and Kucherov. And of course, the big name there is Kucherov. You always want to have the player play with Kucherov because he's so good. And like a lot of the Lightning players, Tyler Johnson picked up some points yesterday in the 8-2 shellacking of Sergei Bobrovsky and the Blue Jacks. It's Brian. By the way, how uh nervous are you as a Babrowski owner? Or that's just like one bad game, right? You're not too worried.
1: No, I'm not too worried. I mean, it crushed me. It made this week a lot closer in my matchup because I lost so many points for for goals against. He was a minus eight points for me. It's like, man, just do nothing. Even out at zero, and I'm good. Just yeah. want to line me up. He's fine. He's gonna be fine.
0: So, anyways, yeah, Tyler Johnson, he had two assists, including one from the second power play unit with Gourd Palat point and Sergachev uh so Brian if Tyler Johnson is a free agent in your league he's definitely worth considering for as long as he's on a line with Kucherov right
1: yeah exactly you want whoever's playing with Kucherov at any given moment Tyler Johnson is now that guy and uh he did get two points in that big eight goal shellacking of Columbus it's hard not to pick up points when your team scores eight goals uh but uh it's a nice sign There's some guys who didn't get two points. Tyler Johnson's spot on the depth chart looks good in any case. So he's worth owning as someone who should be able to provide at least a 50-point pace from that spot. Be so nice if he could get up to those 70-point days he did in the first year of the triplets. But I feel like we're kind of of giving up on that. It's not something you should be expecting. Expect a 50-point pace with good deployment, and then whatever he can get you on top of that would be gravy
0: yeah plus this deployment won't last like Tampa Bay keeps on shifting things around like remember the good old days where we assumed that the top line was going to be Stamkos Kucherov and JT Miller that sure didn't last long and JT Miller has actually been the casualty of the lo- latest line shakeup. he found himself in the bottom six playing with Cedric Paquette and Adam Ernie that didn't stop him though yesterday from getting three power play points because he's still on the top power play with Kucherov Stamkos Killorn and Hedman so it's kind of an interesting situation right now if you're a JT Miller owner you have a big decision to make like you drafted him expecting him to play with kucherov and stamkos and he doesn't have that spot anymore if he didn't have that big game yesterday i would have been asking you if he's safe to drop i guess at this point you can't drop a guy who just got three points and is on the top power play but who knows how long he'll last on top power play i feel like brayden point should be there maybe they were just spreading things around i don't know maybe if anything you try to trade jt miller like what do you think about him at this point are you like higher or lower on him than you were going into the season
1: A little lower, of course, given that we hoped he'd be top line, top power play, and that if he wasn't going to be on the top line, uh, we didn't figure he'd end up sinking all the way to the bottom of the depth chart. But even in this circumstance, I wouldn't want to let JT Miller or anyone on Tampa's top power play unit go off my roster, Uh, nor like, if you were looking to sell him. I I don't know what you could possibly trade JT Miller for unless another owner doesn't realize that JT Miller is not in the top six anymore and then maybe you could get a really rich return all that said I expect JT Miller does eventually find his way back into the top six possibly the top line before too much time passes we know to expect some line shuffling from John Cooper especially with players coming back from injury and it's nothing to get too shook over so early in the year to see JT Miller down on line four especially again while Miller still holds down that spot on the top power play unit so just hang tight for now know that he's on the fourth line keep that in mind if he falls off the top unit then it's time to panic but I think it's a lot more likely that he rises up the depth chart again at even strength than he does fall off that top unit
0: yeah, I expect this segment of the show to be one of the ones that becomes out of date the soonest. Like by the next Tampa Bay game, everything will be shifted around, and you'll have to reassess. You're gonna to have to go to Dobber Hockey and check the line combinations and see what's going on with Tampa Bay. But yeah, JT Miller. Who knows? Maybe you can make a trade. Maybe you send him to the Shattenkirk owner if you need a defenseman, or the Petrangelo owner. You know, like maybe you can make some of like the Ehlers. I don't know. He did have that big game yesterday, so maybe you could capitalize. But you're right. I mean, how much can you really get from you? Say you definitely want someone if they're on the top power play. Alex Killorn is on that top power play. He's still not doing too much. And actually. Brian I think at this point I'd like to deploy my once a show ranking question here I've just made this made this up I think we're gonna do this going forward every episode I'd like to have one opportunity to ask you to rank a whole bunch of players on a team and right now I feel like Tampa Bay is a really interesting team where it's hard to know the value of all the different players and how they compare to each other like at the top I think it's easy you want Kucherov first then Stamkos then Braden points again I'm talking about the forward so you could throw Hedman in there somewhere under Kucherov and maybe around Stamkos anyway but yeah so you got Kucherov Stamkos then point but how would you rank the next few you've got Yen Gourd, uh, JT Miller, Andre Palat, Tyler Johnson, Alex Killorn. I didn't even mention the top line, or I guess one of the top lines was Stamkos, Braden Point, and Yanni Gourd yesterday. And so that's obviously a great spot for Gourd. And Braden Point is so good and only better when he's playing with Steven Stamkos. So, yeah, like how do you rank these guys? So, Gourd, Miller, Palat, Johnson, Killorn.
1: I'm gonna go JT Miller at the top, <gasps> then Palat, then Gourd, then Johnson. Than Killorn. And everyone listening probably thinks I have Gord too low being third of the group, but I have gone into great detail about just how fortunate Gord was last year to put up 64 points. And while that fortune has carried over through his first three games, I can't subscribe to it being sustainable just yet. That said... I do love Gord playing with Braden Point and Stephen Stamkos for as long as that holds good way to get some bounces by playing with those guys. But Elon, as you said, this is likely going to be out of date by the time you're hearing it with the way that John Cooper works the blender in Tampa. Yeah. So who did you have? Number one there. JT Miller. Wow. I don't know. That's okay. How would you put number one?
0: Maybe Yanni Gord. I don't know. Well, I know yeah, you're well, telling.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like Yanni Gord seems like the best player. If you're just looking at past production. But, you know, I, I just don't trust what Gord did last year. If I'm a Gord owner, I am, like, thrilled. I'm elated that he's off to such a good start. And I am shopping him as hard as I can for a 60-point player for sure. I might even be satisfied with a 55-point player. But I know that's, that's going to get us hate mail. That's the sort of take that people aren't going to like.
0: Well, I don't know. So it sounds like you'd prefer to trade Yanni Gourd for Andre Palat right now. I'm sure you could pull that off if yeah. you really wanted to. By
1: Although, the way- like, they're both reasonable. Like, I, I would definitely aim higher because Palat seems to be on and off replaceable. But, Elon, neither you nor I were big on Gourd going into the year. You had him at 50 points projected in our almanac, which is available for half price right now. Koopincarlson.com slash almanac. And I had him at 45 points. So we had him averaged out to 47 and a half points. Uh, not, looks like a whiff right now doesn't it
0: yeah well i guess i didn't expect that he'd be playing with stamkos and brayden point though you know who who knows how long it's going to last brian can you want to take a guess who's the center on that line is it point or stamkos point yeah it's brayden Point. even stamkos gonna get you a dual eligibility soon if you've got him in your league so keep that in mind uh, Tampa Bay but they actually didn't have such a great start but great game against Columbus all they needed was to play against Sergei Bobrovsky Brian you really got mad at me when I made that tweet about when your uh Yunus Corpusalo uh, got his second game in a row and I was like oh maybe he'll get more starts than we were expecting you're like what are you doing idiotic and that but then hey you got those two starts then Bobrovsky came in and was terrible maybe they give Corposalo. I'm not saying is gonna steal the job I'm just saying he'll get more starts maybe than we were expecting is there anything to like but like we've talked so much about uh, Rene and Saros and how Rene is gonna be an unrestricted free agent so maybe Nashville it's in their best interest to not play him as much see what they have in Saros wouldn't the same go for Bobrovsky over in Columbus he's also going to be an unrestricted free agent
1: so like you're saying, if they want to find out what they have in Corpus solo, like what will happen to their team if they let Bobrovsky go and ride Corpus solo? like that's what they should be looking into? i don't know
0: i guess it's just a stupid thing i'm just like speculating right now. i guess another thing you could say is maybe they should be playing it depends what they want to do right maybe they need to not play Bobrovsky so much and only play him against really hard teams like tampa bay so he puts up bad numbers, so then they could get him for a cheaper contract over the summer like i have no idea
1: <laughs> yeah I-, I feel like that would not be a good tack to take I-, I i feel it wouldn't be successful at least if they want to keep him around yeah not a great idea um he hasn't been good this year. He's been playing below what you'd expect an average NHL goalie to be accomplishing given the difficulty of the shots he's faced. Uh, same with Corpusalo for the record, but not to quite the same extent. The thing that separates, I mean, we talk a lot about these legacy goalies like Rask and Rene, and I guess Bobrovsky is sort of uh, getting to that age where we'd consider him one, but Bobrovsky stands out from those by consistently outperforming the average NHL goalie. So I'm not reading too much into the struggles he's had over the first few games of the season, I am A-OK to continue riding him on my fantasy team.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, you paid a lot for him in your auction draft. You better hold on and hope for the best. Okay, another out another out jury here well that's the reason by the way brian that like we, we, we say like it's kind of scary to spend a lot of money or draft high like one of these elite goalies because you don't know every season there's gonna be one of them who you expect is gonna be amazing and it falls off and it's, you can't predict who it's gonna be hopefully for you it won't be bobrowski but okay let's go to another outjury here brian kessler finally has returned to the lineup for the anaheim ducks i like go in the offseason. it was look the way they were talking about him it was like he might never play again you know but i guess his hip is good enough and he had a nice return on wednesday versus arizona he scored a goal he had three shots he also threw two hits he played 16 minutes and 54 seconds that is ice time was up to 19 minutes and 32 seconds yesterday but he had nothing to show for it aside from two shots on goal one hit and a couple blocks in the 5-3 loss to Dallas uh Anaheim's playing today maybe I could just check in really quickly and see what Ryan Kessler is doing but of course any like my uh scores here are taking too long to load so I'll just keep talking about Kessler I can, when he's done.
1: I can but, tell you I can't tell you about his ice timer line mates I'll, I'll give you a moment to look those up if you can uh but he has one shot and one block through two and a half periods of play
0: okay well that's good because my opponent in the cupful picked him up today as a stream and it's like tied right now going into tonight's games though i'm looking i finally did load the box score and i have cam fowler he has kessler and a couple other guys and cam fowler got an assist Woo! and by the way alex petrangelo over on st louis still nothing so he's continuing to be with though I'm, I'm seeing he has the most power play time i'm sure people don't really need to listen to a podcast the next day and hear what was the status of the st louis versus anaheim game midway through So okay back to kessler He was playing on, I think, the top line yesterday. He was playing with Raquel and Cogliano. I assume if you're playing with Raquel and Getzloff is out, then that's the top line. Uh, He didn't bump Silverberg or Henrik or Raquel or Sam Steele from the top power play. But I feel like all the Anaheim lines right now are pretty irrelevant because Ryan Getzlaff is going to return next week. And then obviously things, we'll, we'll find out more about what's the new normal. There's still a lot of other injuries. like Andre Kasha is still injured. Patrick Eves might come back at some point. But for now, Kessler does seem interesting, especially in a league that counts a lot of peripherals. Like Kessler's always been a beast for leagues that count like face-offs and hits. And he's also decent for blocks for a forward. And hey, we're only two years removed from his amazing 58 points in 2016-17. So I'm finding Kessler a tough guy to peg at this point, but I kind of feel like I'd rather err on the side of saying he should probably be owned in a lot of leagues especially multi-category leagues i'm really curious to hear what your take is going to be on kessler now that he's finally back
1: i'm kind of in the middle uh, like it's hard to know if he should probably be owned because he's missed a lot of time he's just coming back from injury he's 34 years old like we we need a week or two to know if you have room on your roster to wait and see then sure, like today, he's been playing with uh, Raquel and Andrew Cogliano on like a weird mashup of a line while the Ducks are, like seem like they're trying to roll a top six with Silverberg, Henrique, and Max Comtois on the other quote-unquote scoring line. Uh, anyway, things things are weird in Anaheim right now. Like you said, Elon, things will return back to normal once Getzloff comes back, hopefully in the near future. Um, okay, whether to own Kessler. Well, you know, neither one of us was really into him before the season began. And we both put him around 40 points in our almanac projections. Um, He had like one thing people forget about Ryan Kessler is that he's had just one good season in his last seven. And he probably won't have more than 50 points, even if everything goes right for him. So keep that in mind if you're deciding whether or not to own him. If you like his peripherals and face-off wins, if those help you in your format, uh, go ahead and add him, and then you can see what he can do for you in the points department. But if you're in like a points-only league or a league where his peripherals aren't helping you a lot, there are probably better options out there in free agency
0: yeah i agree with you we'll get to sub don't worry guys i know we're saving to the end this time we gotta shake things up we're gonna get to a lot of really exciting players to end the show with our hot streaks. right now we're still on the out jury so i think i agree with you by the way brian the other game tonight is carolina versus winnipeg and patrick Liney scored a power play goal so maybe we anti jinxed him with our talk about him earlier no- nothing for uh nikolai ehlers of course because he's never on that top power play interestingly dustin bufflin is injured right now hopefully not long term we'll definitely talk about him next week if it is long term and josh morrissey assisted on the power play goal i think brian i was wrong about jacob truba over over the summer, so you could gloat a little. I'm going to be gloating soon about guys like Kyle palmeri So for now, I, Truba's not hasn't gotten any power play time today. It's been Tyler Myers and Josh Morrissey. I don't know. They hate this guy. Truba needs a fresh start. He needs to leave that team. But anyway, okay. We're oddly. What what's going to happen when he gets his fresh start? He's going to get power play time. It's going to be awesome. I feel like Truba's a good player, Man, huh? like get yeah over it, Elon. I know. Yeah. I'm over it. Fine. F, F Jacob Shruba for now, especially today since my couple opponent has him. And I'm very much enjoying that. He hasn't gotten any points yet. It's like literally going to come down to like, I'm ahead by four points right now and a points against so stressful. Jesse, I hope, I hope that we're listening to this and you're, you know, not happy. And I'm very happy when you listen to this tomorrow. Okay. I assume Jesse listens the next day. I don't know. Okay. Next outsharing. Let's talk about Valerie nichushkin He redebuted for Dallas on Tuesday after taking a couple years off. No points, two shots on goal. But then yesterday he was better. He got an assist and four shots in the win over Anaheim. And it looks like at times yesterday, Alex Radulov jumped down to play on the second line with Spetsa and Nachushkin. So that's really great if they're going to have Radulov to play with. I feel like nichushkin has got to be worth at least watching like, at this point, you got to put him on your watch list. Though it's hard to, like, be too high on him because he's not on that potent Dallas top power play. It's actually been Jason Spezza who's been holding that spot on the top power play unit. And with his assist yesterday, Spezza's actually up to three points in four games, already more than 11% of the way to besting his 26 points from last season. So it feels like it won't be too long until Jason Spezza... Improves on last year's season, assuming he doesn't get injured if he's gonna stay on that top power play, which is so good. Like these Dallas players, man, Ben and Sagan, Rajlov, like Klingberg, such awesome players to own in fancy. I feel like they're like underrated for how good they are. Everyone's talking about the Leafs, but like don't forget about Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Nichushkin at this point? And I'm curious, so who would you rather have between Nichushkin and Spezza if you wanted a potentially available stars forward in free agency?
1: So Nichushkin Uh, did re-debut in the NHL. Finally, he was eased into the lineup, got his feet wet on the fourth line, but has now already jumped up to play with Jason Spezza. I'm optimistic that Nishushkin still has something to offer and that Spezza is the right kind of centerman that'll help bring that out of him. I'm even more optimistic if Dallas does want to add Radulov to their line on a regular basis for some added offensive firepower, maybe some extra chemistry. If I were picking between Nachushkin and Spetta as a Dallas free agent to add, which you might want to do considering that Dallas plays on Monday and Tuesday this week. So if you're listening to this in time, you get two quick games right out of the gate from your stars. Uh, I would probably pick Spetta over Nachushkin, especially in leagues where Spezza does have that right wing eligibility uh, for the fact that that Spezza plays on the top power play unit. Like, I'm super curious about Najushkin's upside, but not so curious. I'm going to take him over the guy, like uh, over Jason Spezza, who should be in on many of Njushkin's even strength points, and then gets that extra time on a very loaded power play to boot.
0: Yeah, I think you can't make the decision to go with Nechushkin over Spezza while Spets is getting that top power play. But both definitely guys to watch going to next week. And maybe Spezza's already owned in your league. Like I said, he's had a pretty decent start. So take a look at Nechushkin and I love what you said, Brian. Monday and Tuesday games. That's great. Though before you rush to grab a Monday-Tuesday guy, make sure you actually have room on your roster for a forward on Tuesday because there's a lot of games that day. And sometimes people make a mistake. They look at a player saying, Oh, he's got four games next week. Let me add him. Then they realize they're only going to fit him in for like one of them because all the other games are on busy days. Uh, okay, so that's enough Happiness, Brian let's go now to sadness and talk about some injuries and like let's get through this all together okay because I'm really annoyed about this we started the last episode praising Elias Pedersen And I'm thinking maybe Mike Matheson was listening and like got jealous and decided to give him a John Hennigan slam yesterday. And now Pedersen is injured. It was such a ridiculous play. I honestly, Brian, I haven't been this sad about a player being injured that I don't own on any of my fantasy teams since McDavid got hurt in his rookie season. Like I was so excited to see what Pedersen was going to do. Like we don't really know much about his status, like we're probably going to find out more tomorrow, but he's like, he's had a point in each of his games so far. I was so curious to see how long he'd be able to keep this point streak up. Hopefully he'll get back to it shortly. In the meantime, Patterson is out. Like, did you see how he like was trying to stand up and then he like fell back down. Ugh, f math, Mike Matheson, ugh, go away. I don't like that guy. Uh, Okay. In the meantime, goes without saying Goldobin and Erickson lose all value with Pedersen. Now that we talked last week, how maybe those guys are worth adding just because they play on that line with Elias Pedersen. He's gone. I don't want those guys. Uh, Do you have any agreement or disagreement here? Like you got to drop them, right?
1: Well, first off, I agree that it was just such an upsetting garbage play for Mike Matheson. And the NHL, here's what I'll get on my soapbox for a minute. The NHL has nobody to blame but themselves for guys taking those kinds of liberties with the health and wellness of others. Like, I would throw the book at Matheson without any hesitation. Pedersen was the best thing going in the NHL one week into the season, taking, everyone was taking notice. Like He, he transcended the sport, I think, uh, both in story and excitement level. And uh, Pedersen then got a good four and a half games in before somebody, nobody pays to see, did something really stupid that put a halt to all of it. It was really, it was disgusting. Like it was really gross to watch. Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. And I would not like care at all if Mike Matheson never played an NHL game again. I probably wouldn't even notice. Um, So anyway, the effect of Pedersen being injured means that his entire line is irrelevant. Like forget Goldobin, forget Ericsson. All Canucks, even the top power play, loses some value with Pedersen out. So that leaves Brock Besser and Alex Edler and the players to whom they're exposed uh, as the Canucks to own at the moment. And Bo Horvat, too, of course, add him into the mix of those uh, other two guys and just uh, hope Pedersen gets well soon. Disaster. So dumb. I get you, It's so mad.
0: Do you watch Homeland, Brian? No. I won't spoil anything. Fast forward 10 seconds if you haven't watched the most recent season of Homeland. I hope Mike Matheson gets the Carrie Matheson treatment, like Carrie Matheson you know, at the end of last season. You know what I'm talking about if you're a Homeland fan. Okay, since we're on the Canucks, looks like we may have a goaltending controversy on our hands here. Jacob Markstrom started the season strong with that win over Calgary, but then he put up two stinkers in a row versus the Flames again and then against Carolina. Though everyone puts up stinkers against Carolina, except for uh, the guy playing today, Laurent Brossard, is having a good game against Carolina for the Jets. But anyways, okay. Uh, this has led to Anders Nilsson getting two straight starts for Vancouver, and he's been great. He stopped 33 of 34 in a 4-1 win over Tampa Bay on Thursday. That's a huge win for Nilsson. And then he stopped 24 of 26 in the 3-2 win over the Panthers yesterday. Is it too early to say that Markstrom is no longer the starter and the Canucks are basically in a timeshare right now? They'll ride Nilsson while he's hot and then just go back and forth throughout the season. Like, I kind of assumed that, you know, Jacob Markstrom was going to get all the games, but all of a sudden, like, I'm easily shaken, which makes me think that maybe you'll tell me, Elon, calm down. It's been like two good games of Anders Nilsson. But that said, I don't know. I got Markstrom as my, like, currently I'm counting him as my fourth goalie in the cuckoo because I feel like Craig Anderson has climbed above him. Uh, I assumed that Markstrom was going to be a volume starter, but with, Uh, Murray coming out of my IR. I need to drop someone. And I'm wondering if maybe Jacob Markstrom is the guy. So what are your thoughts on what's going on? I'm not saying that Andres Nilsson is amazing, but I'm also starting to realize that maybe Markstrom isn't like the shoe-in to get, you know, 60, 65 starts like I was thinking when I drafted him.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure he would be. Although Nilsson isn't much of a challenger. The thing is between these two is that neither one really qualifies or at least has qualified in their career to be a number one NHL goalie and that means that I imagine the pendulum is going to swing back and forth all season and might swing too quickly to get too attached to either one of them on your roster if we're going strictly by performance and and to decide who should get the next start or the next five starts Nielsen's numbers stand clearly above those marks from this year who has struggled to handle a couple low danger chances against him early on this season but I also think that Anders Nielsen will eventually falter because he's Anders Nielsen and then Markstrom is going to come back in and uh, Markstrom seems to be the one who has the longer leash for holding on to the number one or even 1A job so if I'm you Elon if you have a glut of goalies and you need to drop one because Murray's coming back Markstrom like I'm okay to let him go and if I'm somebody seeking goaltending in a league that rewards saves without too much penalty for goals against their poor save percentage I'd be okay making a low impact drop to stream in Nielsen for however many more starts he gets but again this is going to be a pendulum back and forth situation between the two with Markstrom probably getting uh cut a little more slack for his poor starts than Nielsen like he is the one who won the job out of camp I imagine he's the one who's still on the team next year uh, while Thatcher Demko gets his warm-up reps like hopefully that's the plan um so if, you, if you're looking for the Kinect starter who's going to start more games, Markstrom, but 65 is going to be a tall order
0: yeah i agree with you and also of course if elias petterson is hurt that means a lot less run support for jacob markstrom or andres nilsson when they do play so definitely keep that in mind so i mentioned matt murray last week was a pretty wild ride for matt murray owners it was announced that he had a concussion like out of nowhere like just i guess in practice he got hurt and by the way a lot of players getting injured in practice people need to relax it's just practice you know okay anyway uh tristan jari was called up everyone went nuts bidding big money on casey DeSmith and jari in the cup of keeping carl's ultra patriot fantasy league we use fab bids and so you know you have to once a day decide how much money of your waiver like auction money you're going to bid on a free agent and a lot of people were trying to get Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith because who knew how long Matt Murray was going to be out? when you hear about a concussion you never know it could end up being a long time thing uh so those guys were getting added in all leagues we were having lots of debates of who between DeSmith and Jari would get more starts moving forward but turns out Matt Murray's fine he backed up Casey to Smith yesterday. So I guess we're kind of back to square one. I'd imagine Tristan Jari is going to get sent down soon. It's worth pointing out that Casey DeSmith Smith was solid in both of the games that he's played so far. He stopped 35 of 37 in a four, two win over Vegas on Thursday. And then he stopped 37 of 40 in the four, three loss to the Habs yesterday. And by the way, how about those Habs beating Pittsburgh? Crazy anyway. Uh, is there any value in holding on to Casey DeSmith for a bit longer at this point? If you added him, Murray had that rough start to the season, as we discussed on last week's show. Do you think maybe DeSmith could get the start versus the Canucks on Tuesday, even if Matt Murray is healthy? Because I would definitely take uh, a Pittsburgh goalie playing against Vancouver on Tuesday if you can.
1: Well, it wasn't a high bar to clear, but Casey DeSmith did go above and beyond the bar that Matt Murray had set in his two first two starts. Uh, and DeSmith delivered what were easily the best two starts by a Pittsburgh goalie this season so far. So that means I, I suppose another start is possible for DeSmith, but I think it's going to go back to being, Matt Murray's net, so long as he's 100% healthy and ready to go. To Matt Murray's defense, by the way, Pittsburgh played significantly better in front of Desmith for his two games than Murray's two games. But to Murray's offense, whatever the other side of that coin is, uh, Murray also has himself to blame. He performed way below uh, an average NHL goalie, uh, what we could expect from an average NHL goalie, uh, even while being exposed as badly as he had been at even strength. Like he was still worse than what his team allowed him to be, if I think that makes sense. One thing we've learned from the first week of the season, though, is that maybe there's room, uh, now, now that Murray's out and he's healthy and DeSmith has gotten a couple starts, one thing we've learned is that maybe there's room for a goaltending split in Pittsburgh. After all, like I, I'm prepared to see Casey Smith steal 25, 30 starts if he can, whereas before I would have said the most available could be 20, maybe you know 23 22 uh but i'm going to be watching very closely to see if murray can definitively stake his claim to number one or if he continues to leave the door open for more casey de smith starts i don't imagine his rope is infinite especially with de smith having such a steadying influence in his two games
0: yeah and also especially with like Pittsburgh just lost to Montreal like they don't they can't get too far in the tank like they can't just wait forever waiting for Matt Murray to get his game together because they've got a they've got a tough uh, division tough conference they got to try to make the playoffs and hopefully have a high spot so yeah I agree with you like Matt Murray it's his job but they're not going to give him forever he's going to have to have a good game he still clearly has the capability of doing so but at this point yeah I feel like if I had Casey DeSmith if I had Rush to Adam I'd be holding him now and I wouldn't drop him even if Matt Murray gets announced to be the starter against Vancouver cuz who knows let's see how that game goes if Matt Murray has a great game against Vancouver and he's looking good then maybe at that point you consider dropping to smith if it's the type of leagues league where like backups are available brian by the way like you said this thing about in in uh, murray's defense this and this and then and then in flurry's or in murray's offense and you sort of said it in this way whereas if you had just like thought about it as you were saying it but like, we retook that so you did that twice that was like your Like you had that written in that you were going to pretend like you don't know the word between defense and offense you you go deep into character to record this show
1: Way to way to spill the beans! I was really trying to play that off. I thought my acting was very good.
0: And in, in Murray's Murray's uh, oh, offense, is that is that a word? Is that wait retake? Okay, is that in Murray's? Oh, <laughs> it's
1: really funny. I didn't. Realize I wanted you. to ask the question. If anybody has a better way to frame it, let
0: me know. It really comes off as if you're thinking this on the spot. But okay, uh, great job, Brian. A, a true professional here. Okay, well,
1: now everybody knows you ruined it.
0: Well, if anything, I don't know if it's even a good shtick. Like, I don't know. It's, I guess, the confused sort of unsure of words podcast host. Is that the role you're trying to go for? I don't for? know
1: what it is. It was just a, a thing I had written. And, like, I was going to say it and see how it sounded. And it was, like, somewhat authentic. Even though it was the second time, I was still trying to see how it sounded. Uh, I it. It, Well, Okay. Sorry. Was that bad? Should I not have said that? Uh, no, everything is great. Okay, everything's great. Okay, but not for what, just what's even more impressive is that whole part was scripted too. <laughs> no it was <laughs> Okay, that's our third take.
0: <laughs> okay, it's not great for Justin Schultz. That was going to be my amazing segue right now. Okay, cuz he which is also scripted. Uh, he left yesterday's game with an ankle injury. Word is he could be out long-term. So why am I laughing? Cuz I am an insane person. And sorry about that, Justin Schultz. I'm sure it's really hard for you to have this ankle injury it's too bad actually he started the season with four assists in four games so a great start it was two assists in each of two games then nothing in the other two games so but whatever like it was a decent start I feel like there's no fantasy implications here like maybe someone like Oli Mata or Brian Dumoulin gets more second unit power play time but like who cares right like there's nothing really to discuss regarding this Justin Schultz injury store him in your IR and maybe you can like hey maybe if he's a free agent you can stash him in your IR if it's deep for defense
1: yeah, and you have unlimited moves, and it costs you nothing to do it. You can, but he's barely fantasy relevant, and his replacement is not expected to be any more so.
0: Yeah, and while we were talking about Matt Murray back then for Pittsburgh, I probably said Fleury a bunch of times because I keep mixing those guys up because they both used to be on Pittsburgh. And Also, I want to talk about Mark andre Fleury next. I brought up his shutout over the Flyers a while back, and like Vegas really needed that performance from Fleury as Vegas only scored one goal in that game, and they're hurting right now. They've got a couple key players out. Paul Stastny and Alex Tuck are both on the IR with lower body injuries at the moment. With Stastny out, Eric Howla's gotten his second-line center spot back, and he's centering Max Pacioretty and Thomas Nozak. So that should be a good spot for Howla. Unfortunately, for him and for Max Pacioretty like both only have one goal in six games so far. And this is with like Max Pacioretty especially disappointing because he's on the top power play. I probably should have brought him up back in the sadness section. Because people want to know what's going on if they drafted Max Pacioretty. Like I was so excited for him once he got traded to Vegas. I guess you could maybe blame the last couple of games on Stasny being out. But really, like I don't know. Like Brian, what's going on with Max Pacioretty? Is it possible that his forty-seven point pace last season is what we like should have been actually expecting for this season? Like is he just in decline or is it bounce back right around the corner? And like, also I should say like with Pacioretty Cole, it's even worth considering looking at the guys playing with him on the second line. Like someone like Eric Haula, who I would say, oh, if he's on line two with Pacioretty, maybe you want to have him right now. I don't even know about Pacioretty. So forget
1: about Haula. One problem for Pacioretty this year is that Vegas has begun the year 0 for 16 on the power play, which is very sad. Do you know they're one of three teams, Elon, who have yet to score a power play goal? Do you, do you even want to hazard a guess at the others?
0: I feel like Arizona has got to be one of them. Haven't no they, oh they did score of like the one or two goals they've scored all year one of them was on the power play
1: i guess so i i don't i don't have the numbers still in front of me but i did look this up do you want to keep guessing i mean i could just say
0: t- i mean it would it would be boring on air It would be such a fun game to play if we were at a bar right now but no i guess i'll just let you say
1: okay uh it is oh, the can i guess one
0: more is it yeah Flor- is it florida it is Florida. Yeah, because they're doing that stupid five forwards thing and leaving <laughs> Keith Yandel off. Come on. I need handle to get back on the power play and get some points.
1: Yeah, so one of the teams is Florida. Good job, Elon. Uh, one of the teams is Vegas. And the other team is LA, who are 0 for 18 on the power play this year. Florida is 0 for 12. All these teams struggling. Um, but I would chalk Vegas's power play struggles up more to misfortune than incompetence, despite being one of the three remaining teams who have yet to score a power play goal this year. Uh, Vegas ranks eighth in expected goals four per 60 minutes with the man advantage. So we can trust those power play goals are going to come, and Pacioretty is going to be a part of them. Meanwhile, we're drooling over that top Florida power play heading into the season. They rank 30th out of 31 teams and expected goals, four per 60 minutes on the power play. So they have all this personnel and like no idea what to do with it. But back to Pacioretty, the other problem aside from this sputtering power play that will rebound is what, well, you already mentioned this, Elon, Pacioretty's center is not Paul Stasny, it's Eric Haula. And the third part of that line is Tomasz Nosek uh, Pacioretty is still a good hockey player, but he can't do it himself. That was part of the problem for him in Montreal last year. Another part of the problem last year in Montreal was bad luck. Another part of the problem was Patri himself, but not to the extent like he wasn't to blame to the point that we can forget about him having no line mates and no luck last season. Um, the good news for Patcheretti is that he seems to be recovering the piece of himself that he wasn't showing last season in Montreal. His even strength shot attempts for 60 rates have risen back to the levels seen in some of his better years. And Pacioretty's power play involvement is down a little in terms of how many shots he's personally putting towards the net, but it's too early to really judge that as Vegas tries to work him effectively into a setup that is going to lead to goals. It's a really great time. All, I'm, all this to say, it's a great time to buy low on Max Pacioretty. If you can acquire him at the cost of a 50, 55 point player, I like your chances of winning that deal in the long run.
0: Okay, so you're saying if you're a Yanni Gourd owner, you should go and try to trade for Max Pacioretty right now? I would do that. Okay. I think I agree with you. Especially if, if shots are counted, then he's great. By the way, Dave corrected us. It looks like Keith Yandel has gotten back on the top power play in Florida. So now, now it's like it's not working. So hopefully they won't switch back. But yeah, it's uh, Jonathan Huberdeau who was bumped to the second power play unit. It's been Yandel, Barkov, Dadanov, Hoffman, and Chocek. Like I said, they haven't scored a goal yet. So maybe things will keep shifting. Uh, so that is Pacioretty and Haula and all those guys. Disappointing, but like you say, still room to grow. And, you know, also learning on a new team. Hopefully things will get better. And obviously when the injury, when the players come back from being injured, that will help as well. Uh, let's go to the Sens. Ryan DeZingle is hurt. He's a lower body injury. Shouldn't be out long, apparently. He's had a great start to the season four points in four games. Amazingly, that's only good for a tie for fifth in team scoring on the Sens. And that's tied with four other guys. There are so many players on the Sens getting a ton of points. Thomas Shabbat has eight points in five games. Thomas Shabbat, amazing. You probably got him as a free agent in your league. I wish I would have added him. Chris Tierney, who came back in the Carlson trade, he has seven points. He's had a point at least every game so far this season. You've got this rookie defenseman, Maxime Lajoie, who has six points in five games. We've had a ton of questions of people asking if they should add him. Uh, Brady Kachuk has five points in only three games. He missed the first couple of games, and he's been on fire, especially in these last two games. I've got Bodker, DeMello, Duchesne, Smith, Dezingle, all with four points. Mark Stone, only three points somehow, but obviously... He'll be fine. Uh, We've had questions about so many of these sense players. I'll I'll cover the. Obvious ones, and you could just correct me if you disagree. Like, I feel like Shabbat and Kachuk should be added if they're in free agency still. Like, that's like almost without question, especially Shabbat. But I also feel like uh Brady Kachuk, especially if your league counts as peripherals, like this guy is looking good. He's clearly getting a good spot in the lineup. And so far, like last two games, he's showing that he's worth owning. But then I'm curious, like, what do you think about Tierney, Lajoie, and the rest of the gang? Like, which of these guys do you expect to stay fantasy relevant and which do you expect to fall off very soon? And I guess I'd like to focus your answer at least first on Maxime Lajoie as high-scoring defensemen are always so hard to find in free agency. Like, who is this guy?
1: Maxime Lajoie has three goals on 15 shots. Two of those came on the power play. Two of those goals, not more more shots on the power play. Uh, Anyway, that helps even out that crazy shooting percentage a little bit the fact that two of his goals have come on the power play where you're expected to score a little more often but for defensemen uh still not that often like we should not expect the goals to keep coming the way they have been of course it goes without saying nobody listening thinks that uh so who is Lejoie? soon to be 21 years old he was drafted by Ottawa in the fifth round 133rd overall back in 2016 and Lejoie scored Just one goal in 56 AHL games in his first pro season last year. So he's done a great job of beating that mark. He also only had 22 goals over 202 games with Swift current of the WHL in that part of his career. So not much pedigree here for a goal scorer or a point scorer, really. He's just a guy who's found some early luck. Nice that he has some power play two time, though. Uh, So, like, great if you're looking, digging deep for power play options. Lejoie is one of them. As for what's going on with the whole team, the sense, they currently sit fifth in the league in even strength goals scored per game. Good for them. Way to go. They sit third in the league, though, in even strength shooting percentage. That's not going to last. So if you can sell high on Tierney and Lajoie, I bet you can't. But you can try. Uh, go for it. I'm still very much, in like, I'm not saying at all that you should do the same for guys like Shabbat, Duchesne, Stone, Zingle, Kachuk. Those guys are all in the mix. As players you can own or on the bottom end regularly stream into your lineup, uh, like they should keep producing even as Ottawa's luck uh, goes a little down from where it's at right now. Uh, it's been very nice to enjoy this run while it lasts, though. I, I think we'll look back fondly in Ottawa upon these first five games of the season or however long it's been because, uh, well, there's, there's a lot of season ahead.
0: Yeah, for sure. But hey, also Craig Anderson, 9-13 save percentage, 2-1-1 in four games. Not bad for a last-round pick in the Cacopo-Ottawa division. Thank you. Uh, glad I got him, especially with Markstrom losing starts now. It looks like Craig Anderson, but like you say, probably this is like a, a sell high moment, if anything. And now I'm blowing it by talking about him and how it's probably not going to last. But yeah, it's fun over in Ottawa. It's interesting that you say Dezingle is someone who you think should be owned. So if he's a free agent in your league, maybe he's the type of guy you stash in your IR right now and then wait and see. But yeah, I guess if he's playing with all these guys that are getting points and if Thomas Shabbat could actually be a legit like top power play defenseman, all of a sudden you've got some options here. Like They're going to be able to maybe score a goal or, or two now and then maybe more as we've seen lately. Brian I'll be honest, I didn't fully pay attention to everything you said because I was watching my cupful matchup if uh, it looks like I'm gonna win three
1: twenty eight point one to three twenty eight. Oh what? my gosh. So so what's nothing is point one value in our league, right? uh no
0: but i guess how could that well there's like saves are minus point or a save is point three five,
1: so you know it could add up like a lot of things are 0.25 and point five. so somehow right but it, a hit like that's a quarter of a point or a shot on goal or a block would have turned it one way or the other yeah
0: like there might be scoring corrections but it
1: looks like all the games
0: are done for today and it's showing 328.1 to 328 can you believe
1: that wow meanwhile mike a cupful division I have I've beaten my competitor in week one. I won the finals rematch. So um, I'm and uh, second highest point total in the top tier in Sweden behind only Yepi. Way to go, Yepi. He crushed everybody. 450 points for context. You had what? 330?
0: Yeah, 328.
1: Like he just destroyed. I had 418. So I, I also destroyed you.
0: Well, hey, that's why I point. Maybe I have tougher competition. Maybe like my draft and my free agency is harder to get good players. Lots of
1: excuses, I'm sure. Hey, I won. I don't need to make excuses. Good job.
0: Also, I feel like this week sucked. Like I have Jake Allen, who was terrible, and Matt Murray. (laughs)
1: Oh my God. Don't no. Don't. Don't even. Spare us all. Who's next? I'm just saying why my team's going to be even better next week. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Me too.
0: Here's another injury that I'll bring up, but only so that I can talk about how good the healthy players are, just like I did with uh, (laughs) Ryan Dezingle. So Jesper Bratt is out for the Devils, so that's a bummer. Corey Schneider hasn't played yet either, but who cares? New Jersey is 3-0 now after their 3-2 win over the Sharks today. Keith Kincaid has a 949 save percentage in three games. I feel like Kincaid's going to be the starter when Schneider finally gets healthy, and he'll have to struggle for a bit in order to lose that job, right? Like, do you agree? I really wish I had drafted Kincaid. I should have known Schneider like injury prone. And even when he's healthy, he hasn't been like sure. He stole the job back in the playoffs last year, but Kincaid looking great right now. And this devil's team, like on the back of Kyle Palmieri, who we'll get to in a second, like they could score some goals. And yeah, Keith Kincaid looking so good.
1: I think Schneider is going to be given an opportunity to win his job back at whatever moment Kincaid struggles, but I am with you, Elon and thinking that it could be Kincaid's job to lose. I mean, it was Kincaid's job to lose at the tail end of last year. uh, And he did lose it but maybe he won't this time or maybe he will. It could go back and forth more often than even Markstrom Nilsson. Uh, I don't know that the organization like Vancouver seems to like Markstrom. I don't know who New Jersey really has pegged as the guy they want to run with the job. So uh, something to watch. Seems like if you have one New Jersey goalie, though, you might need to look for the handcuff, which is frustrating.
0: Disagree. I think if you have Keith Kincaid, you're good right now. I, I'm not as high on Corey Schneider as you are. You know what? This is like remember how on Survivor when Eric gave away the immunity idol in the last episode that everyone called him like the dumbest player of all time. Remember that? Yes. So like, I feel like that's the kind of thing where it's like everyone now remembers Eric for being so dumb and giving away the immunity idol right at the end, or not the, the, the immunity, necklace, and then it cost him the game. But they forget about the fact that he made it all the way to the final five to get himself into the opportunity to make that dumb move and blow the game. So it's like last season with Keith Kincaid, sure, he ended up losing the job, but that was after winning the job and holding the job for the whole second half of the season. So he deserves some credit.
1: So do you for that analogy. I did <laughs> not know where you were going with it. Beautiful.
0: Okay, uh, so I'm going to take this time now. Just, like, bear with me, but let's talk about Kyle Palmieri here, okay? Like, we did that show with Dmitry Filipovich, and both of you scoffed at me. Nobody I
1: scoffed. Like, I take issue did. with that.
0: You laughed at me. I was like, hey, you guys all both want to like, – I think Dimitri brought up Nico Hichier and how amazing he is. I was like, can I just talk about Kyle Palmieri for a second, how I think he's going to have this huge year? He was like, oh, like, did someone pay you? Are you, like, Kyle Palmieri's agent or, you know, or something? Like, people are like, you know, whatever. Anyway – He's amazing. He has now three straight two goal games here. I saw this tweet from at PR NHL. has a P- Why I'm just at, why doesn't at NHL just tweet this? Why do they need to send this to their PR account? But anyways, Kyle Palmieri became the fourth player in NHL history to score multiple goals in at least three consecutive games to open a season. The others are, I mean, you, you see people in the chat room could try to guess here, but okay, you'll never guess. There's Patrick Marlowe, who had four straight uh, two plus goal games to start 2012-13. Then you have Cy Denny, who did it in, in 17, 18 And then Peter Stasny, who did it for three games in 82-83. So this is a very rare feat. Cal Palmieri just having an amazing start to the season. So, okay, how sustainable should we expect Palmieri to be moving forward? I assume he's not going to score 164 goals, but is 40 plus a possibility at this point? Like, I won't get fully into it again, but like I talked about this a lot in the Almanac, like, he was a near point-per-game guy for stretches last year when he was playing on the top line, top power play, he got Hurt, then he got bumped for stupid Jesper Brat. But like when he was in that good spot, he was doing great. Now he's in that great spot and he's doing great. If Jesper Brat comes back from his injury and bumps Paul Mary from the top line, I'm going to be so, so mad. But for now, like at what level do you see Paul Mary at right now? Like obviously, like, yeah, he's got these six goals. So, you know, you could say like add six goals to whatever number you would come up with otherwise. But in general, like, do you see him as a 40 plus point guy or goal guy or still less than that?
1: First off, Elon, you are a genius. You're brilliant. Ah. You're a prophet. Ah. You nailed it. Way to go. Calling Kyle Palmieri for career high numbers. What more is there to say? You did it. He's there, right? The mountain has been climbed. There's no oh. more season to play. Oh, so you're turning this into... <laughs> come on, let me have some fun here. Like, I, I meant it. You know, I meant the first part. I actually planned to say the first part and not the second part. I just couldn't let you have it. Here's Here's what I've got. And when you say I scoffed, I also just want to bring up that our Kyle Palmieri projections, the way you say it, they were like 20 points apart. We were five points apart and we were rounding our projections. So it's even possible that we were three points. Anyway, Kyle Palmieri has three goals on seven shots at even strength, three goals on seven shots on the power play. That means he has six goals on 14 shots for a 43% shooting percentage. It's high. Here's a fun fact though. Kyle Palmieri's IPP is 100%. Because every goal scored while he's been on the ice has been scored by he himself. I don't know if you can, like, fault Palmieri for having no assists in that case, but it would be nice if his line mates converted a couple of their own as well because six on-ice goals at this point of the year isn't terribly impressive. He's in, like, a 20-way tie for 60th in the league in on-ice goals at all strengths. Meanwhile, wait,
0: wait a second. Sorry, you're saying he's 20th in the league for on-ice goals? No, I'm saying he's 60th in the league new jersey's only played three games like i you gotta go goals per game no one who's higher in goals per game than kyle palmeri yeah you're right Has has like 10 goals in four games oh so that actually i think is better
1: (laughs) i don't well so i looked at the list of like wrote goal counts i don't know why i didn't look up goals per 60 right that's what i should have done in any case i'm still confident that he wouldn't necessarily crack the top 50 uh but he does here's what he does have going for him going into this is all going into sunday's games right um he had 14 shots after three games, which is really fantastic. Uh, but, Elon, for Palmieri to get to 40 goals, he's going to have to either convert 3 to 4% more often than he has in each of the last three seasons, or he's going to have to surpass 300 shots for the first time in his career while converting at his usual 13% rate. And just to illustrate the likelihood of that, uh, his career high today is 222 shots. Even if he got three shots per game, he'd fall short of 300 shots. So, yes, but if, uh-huh. if I may, yeah,
0: in his career, he's never played on a line all season yeah. with Taylor Hall and Nico Hichier.
1: Yeah, so so there, there's a balance here, right, between taking that into account and then taking into account that we've seen five and a half seasons of him playing with various line mates who weren't Hall and Heischer, um and still in decent roles and seeing that he topped out around 55, 60 points at best. My advice would be, if you own Kyle Palmieri and you think like if, if you're in a league with Elon, sell Palmieri to Elon. Except you probably don't have him because Elon drafted him. Probably no, all but
0: the- I didn't. Unfortunately, in like two of my leagues, I didn't. It's so sad. Okay,
1: so if you're in those leagues, sell him high to Elon and try and get an actual forty goal score, seventy point player back. Maybe even if you get a thirty five goal score, sixty five point player. I think you're still winning that deal. So see what you can do in selling high on Kyle Palmieri. But otherwise, be excited for Palmieri having a great start. I don't want to get too down on him. Be happy for Elon, who really crushed this one.
0: Well, we'll see. It was okay. I'm looking at my team right now in the cacouple. I'm trying to see like what offers they could make for me where I'd apparently like be a dummy and accept P- Kyle Palmieri for too high. Like Jack Eichel, I wouldn't take him. I, w- I wouldn't do that. And then I have... Uh, who, who else here is good? Uh, I'm just looking through. Sorry, this is probably very boring. Context. Oh, David Pasternak. Okay, so like after those guys, I guess like you're saying someone should offer me Palmieri for like Evgeny Dadanov or for Braden Point. You would prefer both of those guys over Palmieri?
1: Yeah, I might even prefer like Kyle Connor to Palmieri. Wow. That might be another interesting comparable. Although th- that's probably a closer guy. I'm just like in my own lineup. But like if you can get Sebastian Aho, who's off to a very hot start, so maybe you can't. But There are guys that you can probably trade Kyle Palmieri for if anybody is sold on him being a 40-goal scorer.
0: Okay, so uh, tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know who you're thinking of offering Paul Mary for, and we'll let you know if we agree or not. Uh, We had a question in the chat room here where we were talking about Kincaid. Like, Lewis asked Allen or Kincaid. Gotta still prefer Allen, right? Just because, Yeah, me too. Yeah, just because he's, like, the more likely starting goalie. And he had a good game yesterday for it as well.
1: Also, while you're mentioning the chat, we should call back. We were talking about the guys everybody rushes to add at the start of the season. William Carlson was mentioned as a guy who it was last year. And like, in fact, like a lot of the Vegas guys, uh, Brock Besser, I'm pretty sure Artemi Panarin in his rookie year, everybody rushed out. Like he was the big uh, early season ad too. Fun thing to track.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were all over hashtag Team Panarin in his rookie year. I drafted him in all of my leagues. Oh, that was such a great season.
1: That was all. That was a brilliant, you called that. Like that's that's 100% Elon right there.
0: <laughs> all right. Okay, so let's go now. One more injury. Dennis Chalowski is hurt for the Red Wings. We talked about him last week. He had three points in three games. was getting top power play time. So bummer if you picked him up. Eh, good opportunity to stash him in your IR plus if you have a spot for him. And just like with Palmieri, let's do some more back padding for Dylan Larkin, who we were really high on in the off season, expecting a big year this year. He so far has got three goals and two assists in five games set 17 shots on goal yum 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 very good for Dylan Larkin looking great
1: yum 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 delicious um yeah it's unsustainable but more sustainable than Palmieri's success and what it's doing what Larkin's early season production is doing is helping me feel very confident Ilan that you and I will be right in our preseason proclamation that Larkin is poised to join the 70 point club this year early returns are certainly promising there
0: yeah, like even if he had, f- so if he had four points in those five games, would that be 70 points? I don't want to do the math in my head right now. Let's just keep going. Let's go to some hot streaks to end the show here. How about Linus Allmark picking up the 36 save shutout over the Coyotes in his first game of the season yesterday? Carter Hutton's been okay. nine twelve save percentage over four games. But you got to imagine Allmark's going to get another game soon after that performance. Yes, it was against the Coyotes, but still 36 saves. is 36 saves. Who do you think is going to get more starts this season, assuming no one gets injured, between Linus Allmark and Anders Nilsson?
1: I think Allmark is going to be the one getting more starts. He was one of the more under-the-radar backups that I I think we both referenced, but I think I might have been higher on him than you, though, Elon. uh, We were talking about Allmark before the year began, uh, that he could – stealthily steal a bunch of starts away from Carter Hutton and Carter Hutton to not my surprise has been serviceable so far this year but not as good as an average NHL goalie would have been facing the same shots so the door will be open at times through the year for Allmark to step in if he can show he's ready Uh, and of course the early returns for Allmark were good it's not necessarily time for Hutton owners to panic but you've got to at least consider the need for a handcuff if Hutton continues to play subpar and Allmark is killing it every time he does get starts.
0: Yeah, I did a whole bunch of crazy goalie stuff in one of my leagues. It's really hard to get goalies who play games in this league. And Peter Mrazek was dropped. So I dropped someone and added him, but then like Murray got injured. So I went and grabbed Tristan Jari and put him in IR because he was still eligible. And then I re-added Mrazek. I used up like three of my... Like 30 moves I have for the season just to like lock both of these guys up when really maybe I should have just added Linus Allmark because then someone added him later and maybe though actually for to his credit Peter Mrazek actually had a decent game today it looks like Hurricanes lost three to one which is a bummer like what the one game that the Hurricanes don't score ten goals is the game that Mrazek is in net but he stopped 23 of 25 shots for 92 save percentage so who knows McElhenney didn't do so great yesterday so maybe Mrazek gets some games before uh darling comes back and then we have to discuss this whole thing again but anyways we're talking about buffalo right i agree with you with Almark. he's looking good also we told everyone to add connor sherry sherry sorry last week right like we definitely said connor sherry bumps jeff skinner from the top line of top power play you want to add him and if you did you're loving us right now he had another power play goal yesterday he's on the top line top power play go get connor sherry he should be owned in your league at this point point. and brian actually jeff skinner was dropped in one of my leagues yesterday and i'm not so excited about adding him. He did have a goal and an assist yesterday, but I don't like his deployment. Am I being dumb? Like, should I obviously find a way to add Jeff Skinner onto my team? Like, I have Pavel Buchnevich on this team, and he's like on the you know top power play, but not, I don't know. Anyway, but, like, Jeff Skinner should be the guy who I'd want more than Buchnevich, but I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous about making that swap.
1: It's almost like you need to go back and listen to the episode that we recorded after the Skinner trade to Buffalo and then the Buffalo Almanac chapter and take a good hard look in the mirror and ask yourself, are, like, what do you think? Jeff Skinner is. Well, you know, like, I was assuming
0: a 100% Skinner is going to play with Eichel, like, on the top line and top power play. I didn't even consider the possibility that he wouldn't. I don't know. Connor Sherry was nothing last year. He got bumped from the top line. Obviously, I got that totally wrong. So at this point you're agreeing with me right that Jeff Skinner's not necessarily someone I have to
1: rush to add in free agency even in a deepish league? No, I'm I'm disagreeing with you. I still think especially in a deepish league you want Jeff Skinner. Like he's still a good hockey player. I think Elon you might have been too high on him before and now I fear you're too low on him. Last game had Skinner playing with Doc in middle stat and on the second power play unit, uh, but to get on the top power play Skinner only has to bump one of Ocposo or Sherry. And those don't seem like the types of guys who are like locked in, uh, like set in stone on that top unit for good. So l- l- how about we work through this together, Elon? Skinner's available in one of your leagues. Who, who could you drop to add him?
0: Yeah, I was saying maybe Buchnevich would be my drop. And there's also the fact that I've already used five ads and I only have 30 on the season. So those are the two things keeping me from making that swap. Like isn't hasn't been bad. Great. No,
1: he hasn't been bad, but he doesn't take a lot of shots. So if you can count on Jeff Skinner to get within five points of Bucnievich, or even seven or eight, and put up a lot more shots along the way, maybe he's the guy you want. Um, I'll also throw in there there's a good discussion. You know, you can listen to all our shows recorded live, keepingcarlson.com slash live Sunday night, eight p.m. Eastern, most of the time. Um there's a good discussion in the chat right now about front loading your moves. So in leagues where you have limited moves available for the whole season, that those moves can be a lot more valuable while you're trying to hit on a really strong player early on because those types of guys are only like, there's, there's an expiry date to when you can grab like the new hotness. Through the year, you know, someone might get called up from the AHL or signed to a contract late in the season. I'm thinking of like Eli Tolvanen was last year. But October is the time to, to maybe just roll through, burn through a bunch of your moves trying to hit on that one guy who is going to save your team. If I were you, Elon, I would take a look at who the most similar options are like it, in free agency. Like if, if the best guys are players with, say, 55-point potential and low shots or 50-point potential and high mm-hmm. shots. And I would, like, I would just try and determine who's the, who's the hotter commodity in your league and, and choose that guy I mean yeah you're this is the typical keeping Carlson banter
0: but like I, I'm I'm literally saying Buchnevich is the one who I think would become the top free agent like I like Bucinavich the best that's why I added him so yeah he, but I
1: think Skinner is definitely the top free agent right now right
0: over Bucinavich
1: no of all the other free agents
0: okay but then fine so I add Jeff Skinner and then all of a sudden Bucinavich <laughs> is the top free agent and yeah. Then I'm making the same decision should I drop Skinner
1: for Bucinavich yeah it's tricky I guess I guess you stick with top line, top power play, Buczniewicz, because you you don't have to hope. But I, like I like Skinner shot totals, and I think there's there's some upward mobility there.
0: Yeah, that's true. And also Buczniewicz was bumped from the top line, if you recall, he wasn't playing with advantage though. He's still on the top power play. Anyway, I don't know if everyone wants to hear. Oh, here, though, <laughs> no, just uh, for fun, uh, Skinner versus Sherry. Are you taking Connor
1: Sherry at this point? Uh, I'm taking Connor Sherry at this point. Yeah. yeah, I I went big, like in in the cup full. Uh, You you have a budget, Elon. You already explained this. You have a hundred bucks to spend on the uh, fictional money on free agent ads. And if two people bid on the same player, uh, whoever bid higher gets the player. So I actually bid like eight dollars, which is a a not insignificant amount to get Connor Sherry. Nobody else in my division bid anything. I was really surprised. I wonder if anyone regrets that now. I'm happy to have him. Like he's not. I'm looking at my lineup, and I was talking about streaming out Knechny before I stream out Sherry.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, Sherry's doing great. Jack Eichel is the real deal. This is looking really interesting, by the way, Brian. We had our off-season bet of Aho versus Eichel, and I thought I had the easy win with Eichel. But at this point, I feel like it could kind of go either way. They've both been so good. And let's actually go to the Carolina Hurricanes right now, because Aho, like I said, up to 10 points in five games before today's game. And what did, what did Aho, I'm sure Aho, Carolina only scored one goal today. Furland, assisted by, of course, Aho and Dougie Hamilton. So it's another point in another game for Sebastian Aho, who was so, so good, having such a great start. Uh, Brian, you also bid big on him in the couple Auction. Congratulations for your call on him. Uh, then you got Justin Williams, seven points in his previous three games before today, no points today. All at even strength, playing with Jordan Stahl and Warren Fogle. I was actually deciding between picking Justin Williams or Brady Kachuk in the couple, and I went with Brady Kachuk. Who would you have taken between those two?
1: So here, here we go. I teased this like two hours ago now. So thanks for joining us on this long and winding journey to talking about Justin Williams and Warren Fogle. Okay, Elon, listeners, what if I told you that the Stahl-Fogle-Williams line leads the league by several lengths in even strength shot attempts per 60 minutes, shot attempt share, and shots four per 60 minutes? And that they also lead the league in expected goals 4 per 60 minutes. And that they're 8th in the league in actual goals 4 per 60 minutes, surrounded by elite trios that you wouldn't even think twice about being in the top 10. But then you see Stahl, Fogel, and Williams in there. Like, this is wild. Looking at the numbers, you could say that this trio has been one of, if not the best lines in the entire nhl to date and i honestly i'm at a loss like i don't know what to do with that information their numbers actually look reasonably sustainable thanks to all the pucks they're throwing towards the net and after saying all that it's pretty darn difficult for me to suggest picking brady could over justin williams even though that's what my gut says because there's the innate expectation that like this can't last right like Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams are past two. Warren Fogle had some success scoring in the AHL. Like maybe he's got some NHL level talent uh, scoring as well, but like not not this much. That line is just. Although Jordan sells is a great anchor for for winning shot attempt share battles. Anyway, if it doesn't last, then Justin Williams is just going to be a second line guy with second line power play time. Um, and at that point, you're going to want Brady Kachuk. I don't know how long this line is going to keep rolling the way it is. And by the way, all of Justin Williams' seven points have come at even strength. Nothing on the power play yet.
0: Yeah, it's very impressive. Well, of course, Brady Kachuk has like five points his last two games. So he, It's not as if he's not on a crazy, unsustainable run himself. Today, none of those guys got a point. Like I said, Carolina only scored the one goal, but you're definitely right about those shots. Like I don't have the shot attempts here, but Jordan Stahl had six shots. Warren Fogle had four shots. No shots for Justin Williams. I guess he was passing the puck. And also, Justin Williams isn't a nobody, right? Like last year, he had 51 points which is fancy relevant in most leagues. And this year he's maybe on a better line. He's off to this hot start, like which is funny because he was playing with Jeff Skinner for a lot of last year, but now he's we're aged, more excited. Yeah,
1: He's aged very well. He's 37 years old. Yeah, this is age 37 season. He just in 37 uh, 10 days ago. Happy belated birthday, Justin Williams.
0: Yeah, and then, okay, you look at Carolina, kind of just like Ottawa, like a lot of players worth considering owning. Like you've got Stahl, Teravainen, Furland, Falk, Fogel, Sveshnikov all of them have at least four points and I guess it's six games now Hamilton still shooting a bunch not scoring though he did have an assist today so hopefully he's turning his season around is there any player in particular that you want to talk about maybe you covered it like aside from the guys who are obviously owned like obviously Aho and Tara Vinen are owned like who, who's next of at least the forwards let's say like between Jordan Stahl Williams like Furland still doing great on that top line with Aho kind of, I kind of want to lean Ferland still
1: yeah, I'll still lean Furland. And don't forget Svechnikov there too. But it's really hard to look... Like, we know that Jordan Stahl is going to be a 45... Like, 47.6-point player. Like, that that's who he is. We've seen it so many times. Yeah, but you just talked about how his line, right, you know, is the best line in the right. league. Right, so I'm tempering... That's what I'm using to temper, saying, like, I, I want Jordan Stahl now. Like, I do... I'll take any three of those guys. But if I'm looking with a bit of a longer view, Furland is the guy I want more... I might not want Svetnikov more than either of those three though. Like it seems like it could be close between all of them. I'm just, uh, I'm really glad, Elon, that you used up your one rank the players on this team question per episode before we got here. I'd be curious if, if you want to give it a try to rank them all in order. <laughs> ranking is hard. Also, I feel like sometimes someone sends us a tweet, and we're happy to answer all the questions we get in tweets. When you
0: when you send us a ranking question in a tweet, that's actually like seven or eight questions all in one, you know, because you have to think of each player and how they compare to each of the other players. But yeah, I don't know. If I were to rank it off the top of my head, you got Aho, Tara Vinen, then I'll go Furland, then Maybe, I don't know. I think I'm actually going to go with maybe Svechnikov next because Brian, I, I feel like this is the same with Haskin and over in Dallas. Like maybe right now, Svechnikov isn't getting the best deployment, but he's still getting points. And I just feel like he's going to get better. He's going to age well as the season continues. He's still learning how to play in the league. So I'd probably just go him next because of the upside. And then I don't know, Stahl, Fogle, Williams. They're, they're all good. They're hard to rank for sure okay another team actually that has a bunch of players that are worth talking about are the Montreal Canadiens they switched up their lines recently they put Druin and Domi together with Arturi Lekkonen but the line to watch yesterday against Pittsburgh was the Gallagher-Tatar-Deneau unit Gallagher had another great game a goal and an assist six shots no way he should be available in any league at this point right like Brendan Gallagher is a clear star the best forward to own the best player to own on Montreal unless you want to say like Shea Weber or Carey Price but the best forward to own is definitely Brendan Gallagher at this point right
1: yeah, no question. Jonathan Drouin, I guess, is the next guy, but it's Brendan Gallagher is the most fantasy valuable player in Montreal. Good for him.
0: Yeah, he might also be like the best actual player. Like I watched some of that game against Pittsburgh. He's like a little pest. He's all he's all over the place, taking shots. He's really good. And so now, all of a sudden, I feel like someone like Thomas Tatar is a really intriguing guy right now. He had a monster two goal and one assist game yesterday against Pittsburgh. Six shots on goal. He's also getting t- top power play time. Is it a hot take right now to say I'd rather have Tatar over, say, Max Domi? Like, I, I'll do a ranking for the Habs forwards. I go Gallagher first. I guess you got to go Drew in next. And then I'd go Tatar and then Domi. And then maybe guys like Lekkanen and Byron. And Byron's had a good start as well. But I'm kind of into Thomas Tatar playing with Brendan Gallagher and also on the top
1: power play. Yeah, I'm not mad about that at all. That really makes sense to me. I'm good. Like, Domi is sort of a lower upside kind of guy than tatar like he's more of a setup man right and i don't know who's finishing um he's not a real high bar for tatar to clear either 14 shots over four games for tatar is lovely although before you get too swept away with tatar um his first three games he had no goals one assist and eight shots so he's really only just looking good because of that monster game he had but that's more than you can say for domi's season so far so yeah i will go Thomas tatar
0: Yeah. Also, eight shots in three games isn't so terrible. It's almost three shots per game, right? So, yeah, he just wasn't getting any goals. Uh, Like, you look at the Sens and the Habs, they're both doing well. It's kind of weird, right? Like, this is not what we expect going into the season. Do you think either of those teams actually has a chance to contend for a playoff spot this year, or is that crazy? And those fan bases can enjoy it for now while it lasts, like you said about the Sens, but they're going to be terrible very soon.
1: Enjoy it while it lasts. Right now, like I mentioned how Ottawa's top five uh, in even strength scoring uh, for each of their games and that's in large part thanks to them being top three in shooting percentage but you look at their expected goals rates and there's actually middle of the pack in the league which is better than you might have expected and then uh, Montreal and they haven't had great goaltending either although who has uh, Montreal is actually seventh in the league in expected goals for so they are coming on strong to start the year like we have montreal and ottawa both ranking in the top half of the league i'm just scanning the list for another team that we wouldn't expect to be there new jersey is first in the league and expected goals for and then if i look way down i see boston edmonton winnipeg tampa uh la uh, detroit all of them taking spots 24 through 29 so we still have some early season funny business to work out but it's uh It's not so depressing to look under the hood of these short, uh, like little early season spurts for both the Sens and Habs. I think it's still a stretch to call either one of playoff teams, but so far they have not been as bad as either of their fan bases feared or as any of the other fan bases had hoped, particularly Colorado
0: right yeah that's funny uh and like someone like carrie price all of a sudden maybe not you know he was actually hurt uh or no he's out with the flu i think or whatever he, he missed the last game he'll he'll be back soon but he's having a pretty nice start to the season which is very nice for the people who are hoping that his contract won't age too too badly over the next five six eight years however long it is uh almost done okay i wanted to mention super deep potential defenseman ad in boston matt grizlik has been getting top power play time over mcavoy with tory krug which is very surprising get two power play assists in a game versus the oilers on thursday those are actually his only two points in the season i don't know like he's potentially a good guy especially like a fan duel league because you could probably still get it for super cheap brian who is matt am i even saying his name right grizlik i think it is so matt grizlik who is he Have you considered adding him in any of your leagues? And just a reminder to everyone, Torrey Krug is not expected to be back until November at least. So there's still a little while where this guy potentially could be getting that top power play time if he's going to get it over Charlie McAvoy.
1: Matt Grislyk, and I watched a Boston game. I did my homework. That's how they said it. He's turning 25 years old in January. He was drafted in the late third round back in 2012 as an undersized defenseman who went on to display some offensive upside through his college career at Boston University. Go Terriers. I hope I got that right feel like any college fans would be really mad if I blew that one um, Did you, do you have that written down in your script here to be like nope I, like I hope I got that right no I know that is that is 100% authentic I didn't even have terriers written there so and okay. if you're a patron you can check me on that keepingcarlson.com slash patron you actually get our entire show script so you can see what is really off the cuff and what we're just faking it's uh it's enlightening I think you can also like see what we have to say about every player without having to listen to the whole two hour episode or going back in case you missed it anyway.
0: Yeah. Without having to hear our annoying voices. We Every once in a while we see a review where it's like, I like the content, but their voices are really annoying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's the shortcut you can take. Uh, Matt Grislyk, let's see. His first pro season with Providence after leaving college, he had six goals, 26 assists for 32 points in 70 games. Then he got an early call-up last year. Unlimited deployment, had 15 points, three goals, 12 assists in 61 games. So nothing special there. I don't know if Grizzlick has quarterback chops or not yet. Thinking maybe Boston is trying to find out as well, since McAvoy is... It seems like not the ideal guy to be there if Krug isn't around. Um, You know, they do have Grislec running the top unit and he's up playing another three minutes a night compared to last year. So there's some increased faith in his abilities. If you're someone who has wanted to add McAvoy in the past with Krug out, or even with Krug in, thinking McAvoy was going to take over, then uh, you're the sort of person who wants to think about adding Grislec. But keep in mind that Grislec's numbers don't seem so different in terms of offering few peripherals. Uh, He has just one shot per game so far this year so he's not the kind of guy i love to add because if he doesn't get you a point he doesn't get you anything but if a power play quarterback could help you in the short term there aren't usually many available in free agency so maybe grizlik is your choice and if you want to add him uh, you're gonna to have to type in g-r-z-e-l-c-y-k <laughs>
0: Does he compete with Brady Shea for the strangest spelling of a name in the NHL? I probably could come up. Tweeted us at Cupin Carlson with your craziest NHL names, but we got we got. You to
1: know who always who always uh, tripped me up was
0: Marius Cherkowski. Yeah, I don't even want to try to guess how to spell Cherkowski right now. I just want to do a couple
1: quick hits to end the show here. I could uh, do it though. C Z E R K A W S K I. Are you reading that? No. I don't know. I, I, don't... I think, actually, my difficulty is more in the Marius part, whether the S or Z came first at the end of his name. I think it was the S.
0: How do you spell things so fast? Uh, you did that also for Goliesborg, and I was very impressed. But, okay, or Schmorgoliesborg. Okay, uh, <laughs> Oh, by the way, I would take McAvoy still over Grish, like, for, for whatever it's worth, even though he's not getting the top power play right now. Uh, couple quick hits, just to end the show. Gotta, you know, for the Leafs fans, gotta at least mention, like, Austin Matthews. Like, how good is Austin Matthews? He's got 10 goals and forces in six games so far. I said, actually, four games. So, actually... Uh, Kyle Palmieri does have more goals per game at this point than Austin Matthews but still pretty unreal those 10 goals that Matthews has scored are on 20 shots so that's a 50% shooting percentage so you don't need to waste our time and say that you think that he's probably not going to keep that up for the whole season but that said like he's clearly the real deal he's clearly amazing Curiously, if you were drafting right now for the rest of the season would Matthews potentially be the second overall pick for you or do you still think guys like Kucherov McKinnon still belong ahead of him?
1: I think Matthews is going to make a case to land around the same value as Nathan McKinnon. Uh, also, Matthews makes a great sell high opportunity. To try and get a first round type player, like maybe an elite defenseman plus more back for him. Like what? I feel. I
0: feel like, like that's what? possible. What are you going to get for what are you like? What is it, a first round type player? Austin Matthews. Like, I just asked you if he should be second overall.
1: Yeah. So I'm saying like his current. Goal scoring is not going to last, right? He, he scored 10 goals on 20 shots. He's not going to be this good all season. He does have 20 shots in six games. That's a pretty nice shot taking pace to set up a fantastic season for goal scoring, but he's got this unique position where everyone really, truly thinks the sky is the limit. And he is scoring at a very unsustainable rate. And I just wonder what kind of ransom you might be able to get back for him if you try and deal him for, say, two players who could have been drafted in the first round in a lot of leagues. Like I could see you trading him for like a Brent Burns or Eric Carlson type plus a 70-point forward.
0: I see what you're saying. So maybe if you could get like Sagan and Burns, then obviously you want to do that. Tweeted us, I keep saying that, like if, if you want to ask for advice, yeah, Austin Matthews looking really, really good. Obviously he's not going to score whatever, a hundred goals or whatever pace it is that he's on now, but I think he's like a pretty sure bet to get at least 40 or challenge for that. And potentially he could, you know, compete with Kyle Palmieri and maybe Patrick Laine and also Ovechkin for the Maurice Richard trophy this year. Uh, also on the Leafs, is Morgan Riley going to be this year's John Carlson or John Klingberg or Shane Gostisbehere and get like 70 points? Like right now, he is doing amazing. He's up to 13 points in six games, six power play points out of those 13. He's doing really well. Those three guys that I just mentioned, no one really expected them to get like 70 points last year. And yet they all did or were very close. Is Morgan Riley going to do it?
1: So he's in a pretty good position to be doing it. Toronto's power play is an incredible place to be playing. And Riley isn't just like there. He's not a passenger. He's a contributing piece to how good that power play has been. That said, the Leafs are not going to score on 35% of their power play shots on goal. But we do seem to at least know now that the Leafs are stacking their top unit and that Riley is the guy getting the call to man the point on that top unit. Those are questions we had in the preseason. Now that they can be put to bed, uh, at least until Nilander comes back. You wonder if that's going to shake anything up. Anyway, we can rest easy thinking that Morgan Riley is going to have a fantastic season. I'm not sure he does enough at even strength to be up there with the headman and the Gustus Bears and, uh, and the Klingbergs of the, of the league. But I think he's got a good shot to be close. I think my closest comparable for Riley's production might be someone like Tyson Barry, who you can reasonably count on for 60 points because he's a very good offensive defenseman. He's very good on the power play. He's good at even strength. But I don't think, well, at least I haven't seen yet that Riley has that extra gear at even strength that those other guys do.
0: All right, so over, under, 60, 62. What are you saying? Oh, uh, under. Okay, I'll take the over mark it down bet board I take advantage of you when you're tired at the end of the show okay <laughs> hopefully someone's actually marking this down okay uh, last thing patron Corey slipped up in his Kakupful draft it was the tier 3 Boras draft and he accidentally picked Evgeny Kuznetsov first overall apparently he was like putting players in his watch list and didn't and then left he thought it would auto draft McDavid and accidentally took Kuznetsov clearly a blunder but maybe not as bad a blunder as it initially looked like everyone lost it in our couple Facebook group we're saying like, oh my god that's so unfair this league is like ruined like you know ruin whatever like it's like kuznetsov has now four goals and five assists in five games so far well i imagine he probably won't go first overall in drafts on purpose next year he might go in the first round like are we on the precipice of a 90 plus point season for evgeny kuznetsov i put him down for 85 in the almanac you went 90 Now I kind of wish I could go back in time and maybe even say 95. Like, he's looking so good with Ovechkin. I feel like last year there was still, like, some games where Backstrom was playing with Ovechkin. I think Kuznetsov is the guy now to play with Ovechkin all season long, and I think they're going to just make magic happen together. Like, it's been so good and lucky for Corey. Like, his slip-up, you know, I'm sure he'd still rather have McDavid, but, like, it's not really hurting him at all.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stick with 90 points, but it's very exciting to see Kuznetsov, like, legit breaking out and when you watch him like he looks great he he got this look last season especially and you saw it in the playoffs too and like we usually don't talk in these sorts of terms uh, but I'm not going to really reference any numbers uh, this early in the season so I will just say that because Kuznetsov is just like carrying himself like super confidently he looks dominant I just love the way he looks on the ice and that he seems to have usurped that top line spot at even strength from Nicholas Backstrom. So uh, I'm really excited to see just how high he can go this year
0: yeah okay and with that brian let's end the show i didn't expect for it to go this long but i mean there's just so much to talk about early on in the season thanks to everyone who joined us for this journey all the way through we really appreciate all of our listeners if you like the show we would always of course appreciate also if you could give us a five-star review on itunes that helps us out or you know on whatever service you're listening to the show if they have a review system please give us the top score help us climb up the rankings i know you don't want to tell your friends because then that'll give them fantasy advice in your leagues against them but the least you could do is write in review for us anonymously on the internet uh also brian you mentioned it before we have our patron program lots of perks you sign up for five dollars a month you're basically buying brian or i a beer once a month a cheap beer and in exchange you get access to our patron only facebook group you're getting a monthly patron cast which is a whole bonus show where we answer all the patrons questions the show notes like you said also the cuckoo there's some teams believe it or not that are already inactive like we don't know where the owners are they're not saying their lineup so pretty soon we're going to be going into our wait list and filling those spots
1: and i'm gonna elon i'm because we have like over 200 cupful competitors and it's a super active league. And I don't want to do any disservice to everybody, to anyone who is actively maintaining their team. But I will also like, I'm going to flip this and say like Elon and I are like really attentive to inactive owners. Like inactive owners are the things that can railroad any fantasy league. And one benefit of playing in the cupful is that elon and myself are like super active in finding anyone who's abandoned their teams and replacing them with someone who's actually playing so it doesn't mess up everything for everybody
0: yeah we'll try and if you are the person who's an inactive player no big deal but maybe let us know so that we can like know ahead of time that you're not planning on managing your team anymore anyways check all of that out keeping slash patron but with that brian we got to close this out so let's cue the outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits
1: all right this episode of the Keeping Carlson Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our newest patron, who we knew on Twitter for a while, uh, had a lot of back and forths, Michael B., welcome to the fold. We're glad you took the patron plunge. Uh, also, Elon was mentioning some some iTunes reviews, uh, McDavid's hair, psych squatch awesome, then a bunch of numbers, Kribasli in Sweden, Retributor Junior, Adrian22222, and Blamopod, and Kelle. Uh, our our most what is what language are you speaking right now Uh, those are iTunes usernames
0: okay next time read the review I think it'll be more entertaining but
1: okay continue the
0: continue the credits thank you to those people
1: okay uh, this episode of Human Carlson was researched with help from Dabber Hockey Frozen Pool Dabber Prospects Corsica Natural Statric, Charting Hockey Hockey Reference Hockey Biz Hockey Database Elite Prospects Roto World and Yahoo!
0: Great job, as always, Brian. And we will be back at you all with another episode next week. Until then,
1: keep on keeping Carlson. And
0: hopefully we will start doing something. All right, bye.